I would like uh, shortly to prepare um, people from upcoming uh, danger for humanity. The World Health Organization wants all countries to sign an agreement on handing over the authority to declare a pandemic, procure vaccine and drugs. But one of the Border Force boats volunteer broke down this morning. In fact, Border Force have hit me pretty absent, the RNLI from Ramsgate right the way through Dover, the little stone inflatable Dungeness, it's all RNLI out there this morning doing all the work. Not only did one of the Border Force boats break down, but now their drone has crashed into the English Channel and without doubt into the sun. We're your hosts, Leah and Michelle. It's Sunday, August, what is it, the 13th, 2023, which means we're going to go all around the world with this week's top world news stories, including we will be giving you an update on the Maui fires as death tolls continue to rise, which is absolutely devastating. Yeah. Then we've got another devastating um, migrant boat crisis where I think eight or six or eight, six, Myra, uh, yeah, um, six migrants have died crossing the English Channel from France into the UK, yeah. uh, calling for uh, new... It's so funny. Every time one of these things happens, oh, we got to do something, we got to do something, and every time they do nothing. Absolutely, there's nothing... There's nothing actually to be done uh, it, with, the, for, with the current government. There's, they have just complained. They're le they are literally... Oh, let me change mics here. Sorry, guys. We sound a little tinny. Uh, they are they're letting this happen on purpose to, you can't tell me that this is not by design to allow these migrants in and Leah and I for six years have tried to break it down for you and understand why just exactly why they continue to let and encourage the migrants to come in and we've landed on several theories over the years but still none that satisfy yeah none that satisfy so we're gonna get into that there's also a viral video uh, that made its rounds in the UK a autistic girl was caught outside she was a little bit drunk and disorderly she's about 16 years old she was taken home and but she said something to the cop she said she looks like my uh lesbian nan so but why is that and uh, they she was arrested under suspicion of homophobia but wait 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 so how is it homophobic to just describe somebody like if I'm, it's just a description. I'm guessing maybe she wasn't a lesbian. I don't know. But uh, the British uh, police force have backed down after they arrested an autistic girl over saying that a female officer looked like her lesbian Nana. But it, how is that? If being a lesbian is fine, there's nothing wrong with it. How is it a slur? I don't know. Do you want to bring up the video? Yes, the I do. I do. So I do. The video right here is in the Breitbart article. Hang on. And I don't you have can watch it. Up. Give me one second. 
so she was actually dragged out of her home by multiple police officers. Now, I'm going to give you the update before we play this because the uh, West uh, Yorkshire police had doubled down, tripled down on the arrest. And now it looks like with the outcry that they are kind of walking that back, the West Yorkshire police have announced that it will take no further action against a 16-year-old girl with autism in Leeds who was arrested on suspicion of having committed a homophobic public order offense in a home raid in the early hours of Monday for comparing an officer to her lesbian grandmother. You can scroll down to the video. The police uh, force faced fierce backlash on social media. See what you guys have to think. Can you make it big? I don't know. Muted. Do you have volume? I don't have volume. I do not have volume. She's made a comment in her own house. You've got her on camera. She hasn't said anything to you. Don't matter. She never fucking matters. She's getting arrested. She's getting arrested. Why are you doing this? Coming. Don't worry. She hasn't done anything. She's autistic. She's autistic and don't arrest her. I'm telling you, fuck Eunice coming. She's going to be arrested tonight. I'm waiting for you to say she's coming. I'm like, come on, we fight. That's why we've got on the first place. You bitch, fucking bitch, fuck me. If I get pulled yeah, out, I'm going to She's autistic. Can you stop swearing at a police? She's got autism. Can you just stand there? She's in a cupboard. She can't go anywhere. She can't go anywhere. Stand there, dear. They're going to remove her for what? Because you're bothered. Think she said the word lesbian. Her nana is a lesbian. She's married to a woman. She's not on the phone. Look what you're clenching your fist. Go away from my teenage daughter. What is up with you? There is something wrong with you. She didn't aim it at the police officer. It's not a homophobic remark. She said, I think she's a lesbian, like like Nana. If you want to bully people, you'll just you'll just get one of them badges there. That's what you do. She's autistic. She don't like people touching her. She will have a meltdown. She won't come out. She's got autism. I'm Lisa. So she can come out. We're trying not to do this, aren't we? We've been trying for a long time. But she ain't done nothing wrong. That officer out there has assaulted me for no reason. She's got autism. She's autistic, man. This sure is. If if an officer decides to arrest her, the one she got arrested. They brought her up. She went. She's under arrest. No, but she was going upstairs and she made a comment to me, and that officer ran in my house and assaulted me and tried to get to my daughter for no. You want to make a complaint about anyway? That's. I am going to. I am going. Yeah, because it is on, and she has. She 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 was full of rage, and she ran in the house, and she barged me into this. So here's what I want to know. <clears throat> Why did they send all of these? I also explained to them she has severe scoliosis and a twisted spine, so them pulling on her arms will cause extreme pain in her you shoulders. You want me to play the second video? I think that that's the, the, the arrest, so yeah. It's really... Um. Here, now, I don't know, I mean, I'm sure Leah's going to read to us the rest of the details here, but right off the bat, having seen this video, I'm, this is what I'm thinking. This is excessive use of force, especially if somebody has autism, you just, like, you can serve people and, and, and they can bring themselves in. Yes, but they needed to arrest her right there because the offense she, she made right then and there, I guess. What... What? The offense of the homophobic remark. Mm -hmm. So apparently if you say something to a police officer, 
that is homophobic in nature, you're going in the slammer in the UK. Yeah, you're going in the slammer in the UK. But here's the crazy thing about this. She said it while she was in her home. The police had taken her home mm -hmm. and she said it in her home. Now, the even even under this this draconian public order where you, it, anything can be termed homophobic, homophobic, anything can be termed homophobic, uh, even under that, that um, she was in her home. So a former police officer and founder of the Fair Core, uh, Fair Cop uh, Free Speech campaigner, Harry Miller, argued that the arrest itself was illegal, claiming that the girl could not have committed a public order offense in her private dwelling and therefore the arrest was unlawful. Miller won a major a legal victory against police over so-called non-crime uh, hate incidents, went on to call for the sacking of all police officers involved in the arrest as well as the chief constable. This was a home invasion by an organized crime gang called the West Yorkshire Police. This was an armed kidnapping of a 16-year-old autistic girl because she happened to say something the West Yorkshire Police do not like. And if you bring back the article back up, the West Yorkshire Police has, uh, they have the LGBTQ rainbow. They've got all kinds of flags. They march in marches. This is, um, this is a religion. So this is their Leeds Pride Parade. Here, uh, the assistant chief constable, Oz Khan, said, We recognize the significant level of public concern that this incident has generated, and we have moved swiftly to uh, fully review the evidence in the criminal investigation, which has led to the decision to take no further action. So your outcry has made it so there's no further action without preempting the outcome of the ongoing review of the circumstances by our professional standards victoriate. We would like to reassure people that we will take on board any lessons to be learned from this incident. We do appreciate the understandable sensitivities around incidents involving young people and neurodiversity. And we are genuinely committed to developing how we respond. So if she wasn't young and she wasn't autistic, she could still be arrested in her home for saying, you look like my lesbian grandma who she probably loves. So exactly. how is it being afraid? That's what I keep thinking. I'm so like, here's the thing. We, we don't have definitions anymore. Yeah. Homophobic. Phobic means afraid. Exactly. She's obviously not afraid of Use homosexual your words. people because her grandma is a lesbian. Yeah. This is... It, That's it, what I was getting at at the start of the story. I'm thinking to myself, but she just used a description. What's wrong with that? You know what I mean? Like, she looks like my Norwegian nan. She looks like... I mean, if it's just a description and, it, like... Sensitivity. Exactly. I call it... I call it... Um, <clears throat> they are. They're so ready to find a crime that they want to. They want to find the crime. They they are yeah. they are making up the crime. Yeah. Um. I want to remind you of this speech made. If you go to Bernie's tweets here, I want to remind you of this speech by uh, a, a a member of the Irish Parliament, where she talks about how censoring speech is actually saving lives. Of course it is. Can't didn't we already play this? Yes. Okay, we're going to play it again. When you think about it, all law, all legislation is about the restriction of freedom. That's exactly what we're doing here. Is we are restricting freedom, Which, but that's we're not doing true, it for the, the common good. You will see throughout our constitution. Yes, you have rights, but they are restricted for the common good. Everything needs to be balanced. And if your views on other people's identities go to make their lives unsafe, insecure, 
and cause them such deep discomfort that they cannot live in peace, then I believe that it is our job as legislators to restrict those freedoms for the common good. When you think they actually it, believe this. Now, I don't know uh, so much about, uh, is this Northern Ireland's uh, laws mm -hmm. there? Yes, so. Um, but I can say this, that generally speaking, a lot of laws, specifically here in the United States, are put into place to restrict the governments and ensure freedoms. Mm. Just throwing that out there for this lady who does not know what she's talking about. Yeah, so in the UK, um, <clears throat> we have here uh, an officer who is now transgender. Okay. And so we're talking about being homophobic. Now, I would say that I would... If I were on the other side of this, this particular person on the left side of the screen served in the military and is now speaking on issues surrounding women. And if I, and, and so the person treated this as says the optics are just dreadful. A behemoth of a man wearing a skirt speaking. Of course, he's the one speaking. And women having to sit there to listen to him to talk about what exactly, what knowledge and experience does this man have of being a woman in the armed forces? And great being part of, I guess this is, um, of today's support army engagement team delivering a women in leadership event. So there we have women in leadership there. So, Leah, the patriarchy. Mm -hmm. that we were taught for years was so bad that we should not let men rule over women is literally evidenced right here where men have now entered women's spaces and told them we are in charge now and the women are gleefully and happily sitting by watching the men take over their spaces and I am telling you that those are in, those who are perpetuating this and in charge of this you know the the Voldemorts whose name we can't speak or no one knows they are laughing at us they are laughing at us they are laughing at us watch how we take the feminist movement and flip it on its head and make them be ruled by men the feminist will then imagine the, this prophetic prediction that one day the feminists will go so far that they will beg the men to rule them one in three Britons, 30%, 33%, do not know that transgender women are biological males. What? Over a third of the population of the UK are not aware that so-called transgender women are in fact biological males, as campaigners accuse the LGBT movement and the legacy media of adopting intentionally confusing lingo to muddy the debate around transgenderism. A survey conducted by the policy analysis Murray Blackburn McKenzie uh, found that 35% of Britons incorrectly believed that a transgender woman was someone who was born as a biological woman or were unclear about what the term meant. The poll went on to find that uh, there were uh, even more confusion over the term trans woman with 40% of the public unable to correctly define the term. The uh, survey found that there were disparities in understanding among different age groups. Interestingly, it was the 25 to 34 year old age group that was the most confused about the issue. It was just 55% being able to correctly state that a transgender woman was actually born as a man. Their younger cohort from, cohort from 18 to 24 showed a better understanding of the terminology, however. It was the elder generation, those above 55, who understood 
the term's best. You're kidding. 62% of them being able to define trans woman and 70% understanding that transgender woman means. But that meant 30% did not. So I actually would have gotten this wrong. Because if you had asked me based on the, the title of the article, I would have said that the older people really don't really even know what transgenderism is. And so they that so I was thinking that maybe the poll might be a little bit slightly skewed because like here you're asking people that are ignorant on uh, today's topics a little bit because they don't get on social yeah. media they don't know and I was assuming that it honestly that it would have been actually the, if there's the older anybody who should understand it it's actually um, the uh, older generation in Britain because they've been joking about it for years through Monty Python yeah. So, but no, 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 no. They okay. have been joking about men dressing as women for years, not actual transgenderism, which states that you literally become the other gender. Okay. Guys, let me know. Leah is turning up a fan and let me know if that is a constant buzz on the microphone because I'm, I'm going to make her turn it down Ooh. if you can hear it. There we go. It so is. I'm going to explain something to you guys. Do we have to? We have a lot of stories to go over. I know, but this is important. I don't want them to think you're going through some sort of menopausal hot flash. In our basement, we have a dehumidifier and, th and three freezers. And it used to be a really nice, cool place. And now because of the dehumidifier through summer, it literally heats up our basement. It's like 85 degrees in the basement. If you guys have a way to uh, remove humidity from your house <laughs> without heating it up, I've spent hours trying to figure it out. And the only thing I think of is... Our basement used to be like a cave. Like you come down, it's like, oh, the one cool place in the house. You would come and you but could sleep why here. We have, the, we have the dehumidifier because we started to get mold. And somebody sleeps down here, so we don't want the mold. Yeah, so, so we have to have We've that. gotten rid of the mold, but we can't have the humidity. We can't yeah. have the humidity and the heat is just... Woo! Unbearable at times. All right. So, uh, yeah. I can't... It's, it's very interesting to me that uh, people don't even know what the terms mean. So if we can't... You know, if we can't agree on the terms, you know, I don't know where to go from there. I kind of feel the exact same way. Um, let's see. So James says, our military looks like a clown show. This was actually the UK military who also looks like a clown show. Um, Salty Mama says, tolerance led us to today. Tolerance. I'm zero tolerance anymore because they took all of our rights away and gov the government is complicit. Enough evil BS. Sorry. You know what, though? You know who's doing a good work, God's work, in, in one area? Resistance chicks. The Taliban. Turns out that the Taliban... Here it comes. ...have has a, have had a massively successful opium eradication. Now, that also raises questions about what the U.S. was doing all along. And I remember Thomas Massey years ago brought this up. Why is 90% of the world's opium leading to the greatest heroin epidemic the world has seen, leading especially in Appalachia here in Ohio, uh, tremendous amount of death and suffering. Why didn't the U.S. stop it? Well, turns out that they could have. The Taliban, armed with just some sticks, went and just broke it all up. It says that the nation that until recently produced 90% of the world's heroin has drastically reduced opium cultivation across the country. Western sources estimate up to 99% reduction in some provinces. 
This raises a serious question about the seriousness of the U.S. drug eradication efforts in the country over the past 20 years. Could it be that the U.S. government actually, what, they can hear it? They can hear it. Oh, Hang are on, you kidding? I'm going to make it better. I'm going to make it better. Can okay. hear it buzzing. It's just a constant background noise. Okay. We don't want you to buzz. She's going to make it better. She's going to put it right better. there. I'm going to step on it. Uh, over the past 20 years, and as global heroin uh, supplies dry up, uh, it actually is sparking a fentanyl uh, crisis as well. So uh, a drug dozens of times stronger than heroin and kills about 100,000 Americans annually. So I don't know if the Taliban is actually doing us any favors or not, but uh, it has been called the most successful counter-narcotics effort in human history. Armed with little more than sticks, uh, teams of counter-narcotics brigades travel the country, cutting down Afghanistan's poppy fields. In April of last year, the ruling Taliban government announced the prohibition of poppy farming, citing both their strong religious beliefs and the extremely harmful social costs that heroin and other opioids derived from the sap of the poppy plant have wrought across Afghanistan. It has not been all bluster. New research from the uh, geospatial data company Alkix suggests that poppy production has already plummeted around 80%. Yeah, that's crazy. So, so I want them that. to look at this map here. I want to explain this. The pink on the left is poppy fields. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so on the right, what you're seeing is mostly wheat or, yeah, just wheat. Mostly wheat. Or, or oh, yeah. The What's orchard's the... very, 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 very tiny. You're seeing 94% okay. wheat. So this is a drastic shift in what they are growing. And... I mean, this is incredible. And what I find even more incredible is that the the Taliban, which is, I mean, that they are the ones cracking down on this. They're not going to monopolize on making money sending drugs to the United States. Yeah, they could because it's gone up by like 900 percent. Yeah, that's crazy. All right. So uh, there's certainly been plenty of hand-wringing from American sources. Foreign Policy wrote about how the Taliban's war on drugs could backfire. The U.S. government-funded Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty, claimed that the Taliban were turning a blind eye to the opium production. Despite the official ban in the United States Institute of Peace, an institution created by Congress that is dedicated to the proposition that a world without violent conflict is possible, stated emphatically that the Taliban's successful opium ban is bad for Afghans and the world. This is insane. Are you kidding me? I don't even know what to do. So in, um, what they're saying here is, it's important to consider past periods of heroin shortages and the impact these have on the European drug market. Experience in the EU with previous periods of reduced heroin supply suggests that that can lead to changes in patterns of drug supply and use. This can include further an increase in rates of polysubstance use among heroin users. So what they're saying is that it's better to do poppy and heroin than it is the synthetic drugs. Dear God. Dear Lord in heaven. Yeah, so... Um, if, if heroin is no longer available, users will switch to a far deadlier synthetic form of the drug. A 2022 United Nations report came to a similar conclusion, noting that the crackdown on heroin production could lead to the replacement of heroin or opium by other substances, such as fentanyl and analogs. I don't even know what analogs are. It does have that danger in the macro sense, and if you take all that heroin off the market, people are going to go to other products. But the response should not uh, be to reinvade Afghanistan. Oh, my god! Reoccupy it and put the drug lords back in power. 
Which is basically what people are implying when they bemoan the consequence of the Taliban stopping the drug trade. Stop it. Most of the people who are speaking this way are worrying out loud about it are people who want to find a reason for the U.S. to go and afflict, affect regime change in Afghanistan. What? What? So, like, is there anybody who actually thinks that we should go to Afghanistan and have them produce, like, more heroin? Guys. What? Immediate emancipation. Uh, here's the deal. This is the most what ridiculous thing. this? Leah, let me ask you a question. This is a serious question. Did the increase in um, heroin and poppies cause the drug problem that we have today? Yes. You didn't even let me give you the either or. Oh. Or was it the increase in demand of heroin that caused more poppies to be grown? It was both. So you had, first of all, it started with the um, the pill peddling with the pain medication. That's how I know I started. It started because we saw it start. We know the people who were peddling these pills. Right. And then those pain, every, almost every single young person who got on heroin started with uh, pot and then they went to the pain pills, right? And every, their friends were like, hey, and here's the thing. It's all about making money. What I'm so, saying is I believe that you answered it correctly the first time. Well, no, I want just people to follow it to see exactly how it went. How did this start? How did we get to the, because cocaine used to be the drug of choice. Right. And you had to be relatively wealthy to be a drug addict because cocaine was expensive. Right. Crack addicts, right? So what happened was when there were a lot of pill mills and these uh, pain medication producers were pushing and pushing and pushing this pain medication and um, one or two criminals got the idea Hey, everybody's always looking for an angle to make some money. It wasn't necessarily about getting high or even getting other people high. It was about making money. Right. Let me push this on you. And so friends, usually in seventh or eighth grade, get some drugs, get, get, get these legal drugs from their parents, from their grandparents, and they want to make some money. It's like a lemonade stand. You may not want lemonade, you, you know, but then lemonade got you high. So then there was lemonade stands everywhere and everybody started to, well, wait a minute. My friend over here is making tons of money making a lemonade stand. Well, I'm going to start a lemonade stand and then everybody gets addicted to lemonade, right? It was about money. It was about a push for money, right? We know this. We know some people who used to push these pills, right? It was all about money for them. It wasn't about the drug. And so one person, hey, hey this is how drug, if you guys like, did, did, has anybody, was anybody alive during the eighties and nineties when they did this? Then they did reenactments and, and, and not to, uh, when they did the D.A.R.E. program against drugs, this is how this works. The drug, hey, I got something for you. What do you got for me? I got something that's going to make you feel so good. Right? And then they get you hooked. Like, you know that that's how this works. But in keeping with that, and I'm 100% agreeing with you, but what my, my original question was this. It wasn't that we've got a bunch of drug addicts that are hooked on a drug that said, Afghanistan, you must grow us a ton of, I of heroin. blowing in the wind. You are. You must grow us a ton of heroin. It was they flooded America with cheap heroin to get people addicted so that then they would make money. This was, and not just to make money, but I do believe that there's a more nefarious goal behind it. And I do think that they wanted to get Americans addicted to drugs. Okay, yeah. so there's a lot going on. But, but, but to answer my redundant question yeah. was... 
the primary, it, it's not that demand of drugs. What they're saying right now is there's such a demand for heroin that you must supply it. But prior to the flood of heroin from Afghanistan, it wasn't that there was a giant heroin demand that then caused Afghanistan to grow all the poppies. It was, hey, here's this cheap new drug. Here, we want to get you all hooked on it. Well, it's not new, but like we want to get you all hooked on it. Here, it's cheap. And then, boom, we've we've now flooded the United States it was, with this. There is a, a destruction of society element to it. And so when it started with these pills, right? And kids were making money. This was like seventh and eighth graders, ninth graders, right. you know, and, and we know these people were doing it. Okay. And then that high isn't high enough anymore. Right. So along comes another like void. But, but at that time, most people prior to the big surge of heroin coming in, most people didn't do heroin. Most people did crack cocaine. If you went to a harder drug from these lesser drugs, people went to cocaine. That was what, when what I was growing up. And so the heroin came in is a brand new thing. And it was a, a push. It wasn't a demand for it. It was here it is, I it's think available it's, and use it. It's absolutely both things because with the prescription drugs being pushed, there was a huge demand. Once those kids were getting high by these prescription drugs, right. they, it was a supply meets demand. And then there was I'm a still push. still saying 9-11 happened. And what I think that the growing of the poppies in Afghanistan was by design. I don't think it was accidental, and I do not believe at all for a I think second it was the result missing, of demand. I think you're missing understanding. Yeah, it's both. Supply meets demand. So you create a demand. Here's the thing. You cre most, they created a demand. So most people don't go. You're not usually going to go up to an eighth grader and be like, hey, do some heroin, right? But you start with the pot. Then it goes on. I'm letting people know how this works. People need to know how I it works. most people know, but go ahead. I don't think they do. I don't think people know that pot leads to all the other drugs. Well, yeah. Okay, so you start with the pot. And then here's the thing. The pill the pill thing has, has been squashed. Congress has attacked that. And so now it's hard to get a, a pain pill. But now you have a bunch of, of kids and young people who um, were addicted to getting high already through this. And you created this cycle, right? You got It's like a whirlpool. So they start the whirlpool going with the, the, the pills start with the, the pills started first. Okay. They absolutely started first. So you start this whirlpool going and the whirlpool just keeps going. And then you're like, Hey, we, we need to keep this going. And in order to keep getting higher, uh, you go to the heroin. And then after, you know, when people, that's why the heroin users overdose because they need a higher and a higher and higher. And then, and then they move to the fentanyl. Right. So, um, is it was there a mass conspiracy to get um, a bunch of young people addicted to heroin? Absolutely, with the growing of the poppies. However, but it doesn't just start with like flooding with heroin. It starts with the flood. It starts. Right. No, it I wasn't talking with, about where it started. I'm saying that. And so yeah, I think that there was a demand. I don't. I can't tell you whether the poppies in Afghanistan were grown. Um, the stories that we've heard, and we have heard several. And again, I'm not disagreeing with you. We can move on from this in a second, but. Um, the stories that I have heard were people were semi-satisfied with marijuana and the pills. And then someone comes along and introduces them to heroin. They didn't go seeking it. So that's where I'm saying the demand. It's not so much a, I, think you can I have get... to have a more high. Do you, you have do. anything that's better than this? Do you have anything that's better than They don't go around like, yes. I need something better than this. You it do. was, they're there in was. that situation and there they're was. doing the pill and the there person was. is like, hey, I've got this thing. And it was like, uh, most of the stories that I have heard, 
from one on one from people who have been through it. So it was I was just the same people. I was just doing pills, and then this person said, "I've got something that's even better," and then they do it. There's but always, it wasn't that they asked that person for something better. That's the demand. There's, well, your body's always going to be craving something more, but you're they weren't asking for it's it. It's like porn. It's like porn. You're They'll always... do it because their body's craving it, but they weren't going around saying, can someone no, get me something better than this? No, they would just get more and more pills. They would get more and more pills because the same amount of pills don't get you high anymore. That's the whole point of doing drugs. This level doesn't do it anymore. No, I get that. But what they I'm saying is... They weren't just happy with... Like, it, 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 so... I, I, I do believe that the U.S. is complicit in, in spreading the, the, the heroin everywhere across the world. Absolutely. That was it. Okay, so I don't... We're not disagreeing here. Okay. But I do, and I absolutely believe, and I've said this on our show a thousand times, so I don't know why there's a difference in, there's no difference in opinion. We're saying the same thing. I'm saying that there was a push for heroin. Abs Giant push for heroin. Absolutely. Let's get this out to the people. Absolutely. Let's go. We're, 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 we're pushing it. It you. is not like people were going, I have to have something more and more and more and more and more. Can some, and then, and then Afghanistan's like, well. These people are demanding it. Let's just start growing a bunch of poppies. Like that's to, that's what I'm saying with supply and demand. It right, wasn't so it like that. It could take over 12 months before the opium har har harvest appears in the European retail drug market as heroin. And so it's too early to predict at this stage the future impact of the cultivation ban on heroin availability in Europe. Nevertheless, if the ban on opium cultivation is enforced and sustained. It could have a significant impact on heroin availability in Europe from 2024 to 2025. So a similar attempt by the Taliban to eliminate the drug occurred in 2000 the last full year that they were in power. It was extraordinarily successful, and opium reduction dropped from 4,600 tons to about 185 tons. At that time, it took around 18 months for the consequences to be felt in the West. In the United Kingdom, average heroin purity fell from 55 to 34%, while in the Baltic states in Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania, heroin was largely replaced by fentanyl. However, as soon as the United States invaded 2001, poppy cultivation shot back up to previous levels in supply chain uh, that the supply chain recommended. Now, the Taliban's successful campaign to eradicate drug production has cast a shadow of doubt over the effectiveness of the American-led endeavors to achieve the same outcome. It prompts the question, what were we actually accomplishing over there? This undermines one of the fundamental premises behind the wars, the alleged association between the Taliban and the drug trade, a concept of a narco-terror nexus. However, this notion was facilitated. This is not true. The reality was that Afghanistan was responsible for a staggering 89% of the world's illicit opium supply. The primary controllers of the trade were the Afghan government and the military, the elites we upheld in power. Uh, there's a clarification here that he, uh, Ho never, um, I'm not sure exactly what we're talking about here. It was, um, we'll go back up to the article. He never personally witnessed or received any reports of direct involvement by the U.S. troops or the officials in narcotics trafficking. Instead, he contended that there existed a conscious and deliberate turning away from the unfolding of events during his tenure in Afghanistan. So we've got a uh, U.S. Marine picks a flower as he guards a poppy field in 2012. Uh, Susanna Rice, an academic in the University of Hawaii, at Manoa and the author of We Sell Drugs, The Alchemy of the U.S. Empire, demonstrated that even more cynical, an even more cynical perspective on American counter-narcotics endeavors, she said, she conveyed to the Mint Press, the U.S. has never been really focused on reducing the drug trade in Afghanistan or elsewhere for that matter. All the lofty rhetoric aside, the U.S. has been happy to work with drug traffickers if they move, if the move would advance certain geopolitical interests, and indeed did so. We know that that the U.S. was working with the bad guys, with the Bacha boys. Now we know that they were working right. with. So you know what? You can have two bad guys. Yeah, hundred percent. 
You watch all the movies. There can be more than one bad guy. And I'm also wondering, so they're saying that people will be shifting to different illicit drugs. I don't think that that's what's going to happen here. I think they'll just shift to where they grow this stuff. It just won't be grown in Afghanistan. It'll be grown somewhere else. And here's the thing that makes me really sad. I, I don't know why this makes me sad, but it just does. If they can grow... This really shouldn't make me sad. I don't know how to word this without sounding like an idiot, but the people that were growing these drugs were not getting big money. They can grow wheat and make the same amount of money. It's like, oh my it's, gosh, it's, like who's getting all the money? It's not the farmers growing the stuff because they can not. just they can grow wheat. Probably. So poppy cultivation in the 1970s was very limited. However, the tide changed in 1979 with the inception of Operation Cyclone, a massive infusion of funds to Afghan uh, Mujahideen factions aimed at exhausting the Soviet military and terminating its presence in Afghanistan. So the U.S. directed billions towards the insurgents, yet their financial needs persisted. Consequently, the Mujahideen de uh, de uh, delved into the illicit drug tape. By the culmination of Operation Cyclone, Afghanistan's opium production had soared 20-fold. Professor Alfred McCoy, acclaimed author of Politics of Heroin, CIA complicity in the drug uh, trade, shared with Mint Press that approximately 75% of the planet's illegal opium output output was now sourced from Afghanistan. All right. So the opioid crisis is the worst addiction epidemic in U.S. history. Earlier this year, Department of Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas described the American fentanyl problem as the greatest single challenge we face as a country. Nearly 110,000 Americans died from drug overdose in 2021, 20, uh, fentanyl being the far, the far leading cause. Between 2015 and 2021, the National Institute of Health recorded a nearly 7.5-fold increase in overdose deaths. So the Lancet predicts that 1.2 million Americans will die from opioid overdoses by 2029. U.S. officials blame Mexico cartels for drugging the synthetic painkiller across the southern border and China for producing the chemicals necessary to make the drugs. Now, white Americans are more likely to misuse this type of drugs than other races. Adults aged 35 to 44 experience the highest rates of death. So this is actually a, near, a uniquely American problem. Nearly 10 million Americans misuse prescription opioids every year at a rate far higher than any other of the developed countries. So uh, 10 times more common than in Germany and 20 times in Italy. I, and I believe it's by design. It's if America empire. wanted to crack down on drugs, they would. As a matter of fact, they are lessening sentences. And if you know, if anybody knows any a drug addict or you know a family that has one, most of the time people just want their addict to get arrested. I think that it is a uh, population control method. Uh, they want people to die. They want people to have overdoses. You look at um, the streets in San Francisco. Um, somebody was telling me that the streets in Philadelphia are getting the same way, Pennsylvania. So when you do not arrest drug addicts, then you have a homeless addict problem. And they just fill the streets. And it's awful. It is. Right? So On a lighter note. I don't think this is lighter. I absolutely, this is not lighter. I was Radi about to say something else. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> RJ Cates in the house says, I'm new. You guys are super cool. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you. I'll tell you what's not super cool because this is not awesome. But Glad you're here. Just because it's a cartoon that we're going to bring up is not good. Radioactive fish discovered near Fukushima renews yeah. concerns over plans to dump nuclear wastewater into the ocean. So Japanese plant operator Tokyo Electric Power uh, TEPCO studied a black rockfish in May and found that it contained levels of radioactive cesium that were 180 times over Japan's regulatory limit. So the radioactive fish... Make your fish face. 
I don't know if I can do it anymore. My grandma taught me that, I can't. by the way. Uh, the ra- <laughs> mm. I'm like dizzy. Uh, the radioactive fish, are you, and the new viewers are like, okay, I'm done. I got it. <laughs> was caught near greenish outlets at the TEPCO plant where three nuclear reactors melted down. And then regular viewers are like, stick around. This happens all the time. Uh, amidst a tsunami in March 2011, rainwater from areas near the reactors flows uh, flows into the area where the fish was caught. So the alarming discovery reignited concerns over TEPCO's plans to start releasing, get this, 1.3 million tons of treated wastewater from the former Fukushima uh, Daiichi nuclear plant by August. So uh, a report from July 23 shows that the problem is still undressed, prompting questions about how dangerous the company's plans are for the public. Dear God. You don't get to do this. Radioactive cesium health risks. Risk. So you've got the radiastic, uh, radioactive cesium uh, has been detected in the surface water and different kinds of food, such as breast no! milk and pasteurized Wait a minute, milk. wait, 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 wait. It's found in breast milk? I know. So That's in the human. On, yeah, so on, depending on one's uh, exposure to this, cesium can cause diarrhea, bleeding, nausea, vomiting, coma, and death. Or so, turn you into a teenage mutant ninja turtle. Or the ones that come after you. Tepco wastewater has been mixed with rainwater and groundwater since the tsunami. The company admitted that fish near the drainage outlets are unsafe for consumption because the concentration of cesium in seabed sediment in the area has measured more than a thousand, a hundred thousand becquerels per kilogram. The maximum legal level is only a hundred. The TEPCO official explained that the company has regularly removed fish from inside the port. (laughs) It's not your answer. Holy cow, like, you're not going to be able to get all the fish out of the sea. You know what happens? Like, have you ever tried to, like, you, you pour, like, a bunch of, like, floating balls, like, on top of water. And you try, you scoop some out. Yeah. And then, then it fills in. Yeah. That's what happens if you're taking out the fish. You take out some fish, the more come in. You can't, do you know there's no fences in the ocean? Well, eventually you would get rid of all the balls. Can you get rid of all the fish in the ocean? No. They spread out. Yeah. You don't get to like, but you is know this what? radioactivity contagious? So eventually. No, would... but they come in. It's in the seabed. It's in the water coming in. Do you understand what I'm saying? So not to. So they take out some fish and more fish come in. They take out some fish. What is your plan by taking out the fish? Not to change the subject because we can finish this article, but I got, I, this lady did this video the other day because we're now getting, we're like going to become super hyper paranoid about what we eat because they're saying with the, you don't know if they're producing this fake meat, Right. And they're the lab-grown meat, and you don't want to eat it because it's like an abomination before God. And this black lady comes on, and she was just so awesome. I wish I had saved the video. And she's like, God spoke to me and told me what to do, at least for chicken. Are you ready? She says, stop buying boneless chicken because they can't manufacture the bone. They can't fake the bone. So she says, if you want to buy breast meat, you buy that breast meat on the bone. You want to buy um, chicken thighs, you buy those chicken thighs on the bone. You buy those whole chickens. They cannot manufacture a whole chicken. So that is her way that God spoke to her to ensure that at least when it comes to yo chicken, you know what I'm saying? T-bone steak, get that puppy on a bone. Round steak with the bones. Round steak, but they can't manufacture those bones. I got it. With you. I like it. No more chicken salads. Unless you're buying the chicken yourself and talking about restaurants. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyway, this was what reminded me like, you can't eat anything. You you get to the super paranoid thing. 
In 2022, a fish caught near Fukushima was found to have high levels of radiation. Said that the fish had escaped from the drainage outlet. I'm sure it was just one fish. By I'm way. telling you, this this following the report, shipments of black rock fish or black rock fish, black rock fish, not rock. in association with black rock. Hmm. How do you say this? Caught off the coast of Fukushima prefecture were immediately suspended. Uh, as of this writing, they have not been resumed. So more than 40 fish with cesium levels higher than legal limit were caught in Tepco's port uh, in the past year. So the Nuclear Regulatory Authority in Japan and the United Nations have both approved TEPCODE's plan to release the wastewater into the Pacific Oceans. The company says that they got to do this. However, the process could take decades to complete. Um, What this is, the company claims the move is necessary to secure space for decommissioning the plant. So that could take decades to actually decommission this plant. So officials in Hong Kong have declared that they will ban food imports from 10 prefectures in Japan if they release, if, if the release goes forward. Yes, I would. This needs a Jesus moment. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You know what else is happening? Uh, I was going to cover this last week. This is pretty crazy. So Imran Khan, dude in uh, Pakistan, a little bit, he, he's kind of an anti-globalist. Okay. Now, How are Pakistan, you kind of one? he's a little bit what they would call based, okay? Um, he has been removed from power. He's removed from power. We covered this. Mm-hmm. Kind of a populist guy in Pakistan. And the U.S. government is kind of, the CIA is doing kind of a color revolution there in Pakistan. Yeah. Again, bad guy, bad guy. Okay, Imran Khan, bad guy, lesser of two bad guys. So here we have, okay, we pun it, how the Biden regime and Victoria Newland overthrew Pakistani Prime Minister Imran Khan. So the Biden regime is behind the overthrow of Pakistan's uh, democratically elected Prime Minister Imran Khan. Um, Explosive diplomatic cables reveal. Revolver News' Darren Beatty charges that a color revolution uh, was, was... um, instituted by Victoria Newland, she's behind every color revolution mm-hmm. pretty much, uh, who is also to blame for the Ukraine coup of 2014 and, a current, and the current horrific war that we're seeing. So March 7th, 2022, get this, Assistant Secretary of State of South and Central Asia, stay with me guys, don't go anywhere, Donald Blue and Deputy Assistant Secretary Leslie Viguri met with Pakistan's ambassador to the U.S., Assad Majid Khan in Pakistan, house in Washington, D.C., and threatened U.S. sanctions unless Prime Minister Imran Khan was ousted. Now, why? The Pakistani side, comprised of Deputy Chief of Mission Syed Navid uh, Bokhari and the defense attache, the Don Report. So, the next day, on March 8th, the Pakistani National Assembly voted to remove Khan. Okay. So, this, there's a reason. They never, there's never a reason that the U.S., and it's never a good reason. Right. For the U.S. to go and say, hey, get this guy out. What was he doing? Okay, so on March 27th, Imran Khan produced the diplomatic cipher showing U.S. demands to remove Khan in a coup. As early as 2021, Imran Khan has accused Victoria Nuland and the Biden administration of trying to oust him. Ironically, Khan was investigated in October of 22 for daring to reveal the diplomatic cipher's evidence of a foreign conspiracy. Imran Khan is a former cricket star turned Pakistan's most popular politician who had taken a neutral stance on the Ukraine war. 
Well, and there's your sin right there. Uh, after the Russian invasion of February 24th, 2022. So in November of 2022, Imran Khan was the target of an assassination attempt at a political rally in an attack that wounded him and killed one of his supporters. In May of 2023, he was arrested for corruption by paramil paramilitary troops who smashed their way into the Islamabad High Court. He was sentenced on August, 20 on August 5th. We were going to cover this last week, but I didn't cover it. But it's just a week ago to three years in jail. Oh, my gosh. So speaking at a rally the day before the 2022 meeting between Donald Liu and the, ambas and the ambassador, um, Prime Minister Khan responded to European calls for Pakistani support for Ukraine. Are we your slaves? What do you think of us? That we are your slaves and that we will do whatever you ask? We are friends of Russia. And we are also friends of the United States. We are friends of China. We are friends of Europe. And we are not part of any alliance. So in the document, as recorded by the Pakistani side, State Department officials discussed Khan's neutrality in the Ukraine conflict, threatened Pakistan with isolation should Khan remain in power and promised all will be forgiven if he were removed. So the diplomatic cipher was sent to the Pakistani ambassador in Washington, Asad, Asad Majid Khan, and has now been leaked to The Intercept by Pakistani sources. It quotes Lewis saying that the people here and in Europe are quite concerned about why Pakistan is taking such an aggressively neutral, aggressively neutral. You I know there's nothing. So if your car neutral. is in neutral, the only way it can be aggressively in, aggressively in neutral is if you're at the top of a hill. Or there is no way. There is no, there's no only way. Like you can't. I am, if you wanted to kill somebody in a car, you would. And there was a, the, a hill and there was a cliff, it would be aggressively in neutral. Dear God, okay. Do you understand? That's the only way a, uh, something can be aggressively in neutral. I'm going to go with you for because we already disagreed for like five minutes on the drugs. Can't you see it? Put it in the chat. Aggressively in neutral. Car at the top of the hill. And somebody gives it a push. Guess what? I know something. We drive a stick. If it's in first gear, you're not going forward. If it's in neutral, you are going forward. Unless you, you're you not going If you're forward. on a hill. If you're on a hill and, and you, you don't, don't put, put the on gas. the gas. Yeah. You just stall. But you're unusual, baby. Boom. Into the ocean. If such a, a position is even possible, it does not seem to have such a neutral stand to us. Lou then suggests that Pakistan authorities find a way to rid themselves of the aggressively neutral prime minister. And that's what they did. They said, you are aggressively neutral, so we are going to push you over the cliff. You know what? That's actually what they say about us with so many of these agendas that they're trying to push on us. You know mm. what I mean? Like, we're like, guys, just do your thing. Leave it alone. Don't, don't you push, and we won't push. We're not, now granted, we are actually, but most people, most conservatives are not going saying, we but are listen. telling you not to do X, Y, Z. Listen, Lou here. Okay, My Lou. buddy Lou. L-U. Like. Okay, Lou. His name is Lou. Lou. He's uh, the ambassador, I believe. I'm trying to keep these names straight. Um, Donald Lou and the ambassador. He's not the ambassador. Which one's Donald Lou? I'm trying to follow the story. But anyways, Lou here. Then suggests that Pakistan authorities find a way to rid themselves of the aggressively neutral prime minister and says this. Lou says this. Donald Lou says this. He is the assistant secretary of state for South and Central Asia. Thank you very much. He says, 
I think if the no confidence vote against Prime Minister succeeds, all will be forgiven in Washington because the Russia visit is being looked at as a decision by the Prime Minister. So remember when uh, Vladimir Putin met with Imran Khan? Okay. They're saying that that was a vote of confidence. I remember that. And they said, no, 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 you're look, making the world look bad. You're making us look bad before the world. So I think it's going to be uh, otherwise. I think it's going to be tough going ahead. So Lou expresses disappointment with Imran Khan's visit to Moscow on February 24th, the day Russia invaded Ukraine. Okay. They pointed out that the invasion had angered the entire American nation and explained why they thought Mr. Khan should have postponed his visit. On March 2nd, Donald Lou was questioned at a Senate Foreign Relations Committee hearing telling Senator Chris Van Holland from a from, uh, Democrat from Maryland, Prime Minister Khan has recently visited Moscow, so I think we are trying to figure out how to engage specifically with the Prime Minister following that decision. I was one of the last two international jur journalists to interview Prime Minister Imran Khan. Uh, so here we have, speaking to Darren Beatty of Revolver News, from house arrest in July, Imran Khan said that the diplomatic cipher was meant for General Kumar Javid Bajwa, whom he blames for orchestrating his ouster. In Pakistan, the military is considered the true center of power, not the democratically elected government. So the next day, the vote of no confidence was tabled in the National Assembly. Within weeks, the government was gone. So here we have, once again, the United States using an arm of power to do regime change in various nations. And it doesn't always involve war. Sometimes and now they put it's him in very jail. simple. What are they trying to do Donald Trump? Jail him. Yeah, exactly. Remove him from power and then jail him. Exactly. This is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. So um, you can kind of see the parallels there, right? Now, I think along with that, if you go over to my last oh, hey, it's me. end... There's a lady here on CNN who's oh, talking dear. about the white supremacist in Ukraine. Okay. And the person tweeting it out says, after an apparent mis booking mishap, CNN panelists sit in sun silence as Margaret Kimberly exclaims the situation in Ukraine. And he says, I may have slightly altered this clip. So I don't know what is altered here. You guys can look for that. I just want to make sure. Ukraine has this very fraught history. There was a famine uh, in the 20s that um, killed many people in the Soviet Union, not just Ukraine. And they've come up, run, made up this word, Holodomor, and it was a deliberate genocide of the Ukrainian people. It was a uh, famine. And it may have been caused by political decisions that were made. But uh, so there was a lot of resentment amongst some segments of the Ukrainian population against the Soviet Union. So when uh, Hitler's troops invaded Ukraine, part of the country welcomed them. And uh, Stepan Bandera was the uh, biggest um, collaborator with, uh, with the Germans. And so there are many Ukrainians who still um, support they support anybody who was anti-Soviet, and even though there's no more Soviet Union, anti-Russian. Um, and so they, there's very strong uh, Nazi elements. There's a sign of a football, it's a soccer for us, football match, and there's Ukrainians, they have the sign, free Derek Chauvin. What does that have to do with Ukraine? It tells you this is a white supremacist, neo-Nazi country. There's yep. a video of people, they have a sign that says white lives matter in Ukraine. Yep. What does Ukraine's all white? What are they talking about? But this is a white supremacist state. It's a neo-Nazi state. Um, uh, white supremacists from all over the world 
went there to um, to help them to try to uh, uh, defeat Russia in this war. So that's what you need to know about Ukraine. And these white supremacist people have been put to the front of the immigration line. If a Ukrainian shows up at the border, they were flying to Mexico, renting a car, driving to Texas, and they get into the U.S., they get asylum, while Haitians and others are automatically deported uh, without ever uh, being able uh, to have their asylum requests uh, heard. So I, all, all that, I could, I could go on, but all that to yeah. say, it is a good thing that most people don't want this, but despite the fact that most people don't want this, nobody in the major parties will say a word against what has been going on. So he showed you at the end where the clip came from. So she wasn't on CNN, but that was her talking. She's just tweeted it out and she says, I'm going to turncoat Don Mashup, now I'm a success. And she actually said that on the... Uh, the revolutionary blackout network, uh, which looks up, looks actually to be communist. Okay, so she was not on CNN. No, but she did say all that. Okay. Which I found incredibly interesting that the revolutionaries, the revolutionary blackout network is what, it, what it's called. Well, and you know, here's the thing. At some point, these two things are going to have to be reconciled on the left. White supremacists neo-nazis and also supporting the war in ukraine which is like she just very well i mean she she said it very well is supporting a bunch of neo-nazi white supremacist so people in ukraine why like don't you what talk about the conversation we had last night with a black woman who does not support the war in ukraine oh yeah we were at a store uh, um just one of the discount stores and, um, and she was, we were talking about how expensive things are and how, it, you know, people are struggling to And she brought get it up by. and she said, and we're sending all that money over there to that war. Yeah, exactly. Black in people Ukraine. do not want to send, it's $900 per household in the United States the to burden. Ukraine. Yeah, the burden. Yeah. So black people are, and, and she was like, she's like, Joe's not even awake. Where's he at? And she goes. And, and where's that ugly blank blank? We're assuming Kamala. she meant Kamala. She's nowhere to be found. Exactly. It was either so, Kamala or Jill she was referring I'm to. I'm pretty sure she was talking about Kamala yeah. as the vice president. So yeah. Because she said who would run the next administration. It wouldn't be Jill. It had to be mm -hmm. Kamala. So I'm so just they, like, so these, I'm the, telling the you. American black people, mostly by and large, do not, want to, do not support the war in Ukraine. Yeah. And they think Kamala is a joke and Joe Biden is asleep. There's hope. All right, so we have something very interesting happening over in Finland. So a Finnish grandmother is back in court facing hate speech charges for tweeting Bible verses. Uh, this has enormous implications for Pavi Razanin's case for fundamental freedoms and that have triggered international outrage. So uh, I don't know, maybe you can figure out how to say this, but Pavi uh, uh, Rasan, I don't know how to say her last name. I don't know what the dots are. Uh, Rasanin uh, did what any one of us might do. She tweeted at her church. Her tweet was simple and peaceful. She questioned the choice to sponsor a local pride parade. She questioned, was this befitting of our Christian faith? And she attached a uh, scripture passage to the tweet. So uh, Rasan, Rasan, Rasanin 
will be he will be headed to court for the second time on criminal charges of hate speech. This long-standing member of the Finnish parliament, medical doctor, and grandmother has faced erroneous prosecution for four years at the hands of the of Finland's government for a tweet. Subject to 13 hours of police interrogation, authorities dug into her past, charging her with three counts of agitation against a minority group for the tweet, in addition to a 2004 church pamphlet and a 2019 radio appearance. Bishop uh, Juhana Pajola of Finland's Evangelical Lutheran Church also was criminally charged for publishing the pamphlet, which discusses a biblical-based understanding of marriage and human sexuality. Their charges carried with them tens of thousands of euros in fines and even the possibility of a two-year prison sentence. Wow. For saying that marriage is between a man and a woman. Can you imagine? Wow. In March last year, the Helsinki District Court delivered a unanimous acquittal, stating clearly that it is not for the District Court to interpret biblical concepts. However, the law in Finland allows for legal double jeopardy. Prosecutors can appeal. Prosecutors can appeal. I've never seen mm. this before. All the way to the Supreme Court. I thought, no, the point in America is that you only appeal if you are found guilty. Yeah. Right? On August 31st, uh, Razanin and the bishop will be back in court again. Their legal defense is supporting by ADF International. Without free speech, no one can have freedom. So on August 8th, um, 16 U.S. members of Congress sent a letter to Rashad Hussain, U.S. Ambassador at Large for International Religious Freedom, and Douglas Hickey, U.S. Ambassador to Finland, in response to uh, this woman's egregious and harassing prosecution. The letter highlights the severity of what's at stake. This prosecutor is dead set on weaponizing the power of Finland's legal system to silence not just a member of parliament and Lutheran bishop, but millions of Finnish Christians who dare to exercise their natural rights to freedom of expression and freedom of religion in the public square. This is crazy. I cannot imagine. Like, I can't. This is crazy. Marriage is between a man and a woman, and that could just saying that could put you in jail. Wow. Whew, let's pray for her. Absolutely. We will pray for her. Now. The coup in Niger could derail this uh, a strategic pipeline. Uh, we talked about this coup in Niger where um, these, uh, uh, these uh, not Nigerians, what do you call Nigerians if they're not Nigerians? Nigerians. They're just probably, Nigerians. probably Nigerian. Nigerians. Niger Nigerians. There's Nigerians right. and then Nigerians. Yeah. So there, there's a coup in the military coup in Niger. And they, uh, the people are making it about pro-Russia, anti-France. Very interesting kind of development there. But almost 20 years uh, to the day after Ambassador Joseph Wilson wrote his op-ed, what I didn't find in Africa about his visit to Niger, to confirm uh, if the country was supplying Saddam Hussein with uranium yellow cake, the U.S. found itself again focused on the African country. So on July 26, Niger's president, Mohamed Bazoum, was ousted by his presidential guard. And the guard commander... Uh, and coup leader General Abdurrahman. You guys just start saying fast. I, I can't use try it. Abdurrahman. Well, I like that. Was named president of the National Council for the Safeguard of the Homeland. It was the seventh coup in the region since 2020. So pretty not unstable there. Not including a previous attempt in Niger in 2021 that was put down by the same presidential guard. So the coup was condemned by the U.S., France, the U.K., United Nations, and everybody in between. The uh, ECOWAS deadline to reinstate the economic community of West African states to reinstate President uh, Bazoum was ignored by the generals and Niger's new leaders, closed the country's airspace, and accused foreign powers of preparing an attack. Last week, 
this uh, economic uh, community of West African states, military leaders prepared a plan to reinstate President Bazoum, which uh, will probably be discussed uh, at Thursday meeting. However, the uh, Nigerian Senate was re has rejected military intervention in Niger. And without, oh, so then Nigerian um, Senate has rejected military intervention in Niger, which has a 1,600-kilometer uh, border and the largest military in the region. So nothing will happen. Last week, the deputy leader of the military government visited Mali to request the rapid deployment of Wagner forces, so Russian forces, to Niger to help the military regime. The Wagner leader, Pashogin, said his troops would be able to help Niger. What one researcher called a nightmare scenario for the U.S. in Africa's Senal region. The military government of Niami received pledges of support from neighbors of the uh, 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 the Burkina Faso, Mali, and uh, and uh, looks like Guinea. Guinea, uh, Al Algeria condemned the coup, and Libya said the takeover was not acceptable. However, last week the chief of staff of the Al Algerian army visited Moscow for a meeting with the Russian defense minister. Um, Sergei Shogu and Niger was surely discussed. So according to the BBC, the Wagner group appeared in Libya in 2019. So this is the Russian group in Niger. There's interesting reasons about this, backing General uh, Kafala Haftar, uh, a longtime U.S. asset. So um, Libya, whatever it uh, said last week, will be focused first and foremost on avoiding another surge in refugees that followed the 2011 uh, NATO attack on the Gaddafi government. So if Algeria uh, Algeria and Libya allow the transshipment of, mater of material to Niger, possibly to restore order and prevent another exodus of refugees to Europe. The coup government would garner significant relief and access to sea lanes. Media concern has focused on the fact that Niger is a supplier of uranium and is a key supplier to faith uh, France, though France also buys uranium from Kazakhstan. The French nuclear fuel uh, cycle company Orana, which operates a uranium mine in Niger, reported its operations were not hindered or endangered. Though uranium attracts more news coverage, Niger's biggest Here export it is comes. gold. I was just reading this. I was reading ahead, and I'm going, okay, there's got to be more here than meets the eye. And guys, when we're looking at this big shift, we got the BRICS Nation deal coming up on the 22nd. Um, and all of these nations And then there's the gas deal. Algeria, 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 Niger, Nigeria, Sands Trans-Saharan gas deal. There's and a... 70% of their exports were gold in 2021. 70% of their exports were gold. They are a gold nation. They are a gold exporting nation. So, and they're, where are they exporting their uranium and gold? To France. <clears throat> so, you think that colonialism is dead? No, what happens is these military leaders are stupid. They're absolutely retarded and stupid. Instead of using their resources for their own nation... A few people at the top take a little bit of money, right? And why, if you've got all this gold, why not set up your own jewelry manufacturing and your own jewelers and train your people to be beautiful jewelers so that your gold, the gold stays in um, Niger the or of the, gold. the profits of the gold would stay in Niger. Or if you're going to have all this gold, uh, find a way to use it, to trade it, to hold it, to... Um, to store up your wealth, okay? This is crazy. One thing that got halted, however, was the 13 billion U U.S. dollars, a 5,600-kilometer uh, trans-Saharan gas pipeline, which was slated to deliver 30 billion cubic meters of natural gas to Europe. 
not to anybody in Niger, I don't think. Like, they're not cooking and cleaning with their, or not cooking and running heaters or refrigerators or anything with their own national ga natural gas. Why? Because it's not about taking care of helping your people. Mm -hmm. It's about money for those at the top, right? The pipeline, because it, their people don't have the money for it. Yeah. So we'll just export it for people who have money. So the reason why it's been halted is because of the Nord Stream 2 uh, pipeline's sabotage. So you got these nations that were going to send gas and make some money on the gas, but now they can't because the U.S. blew up the Nord Stream 2. So, the, so you've got, after the loss of the Nord Stream pipeline, Europe was forced to import liquefied natural gas from the U.S. at higher prices than they were paying the Russians. The presence of the Wagner groups in Niger is enough to stop the pipeline unless someone steps in. So this is a Russian move to try to continue to hurt Russia. So a country like China, for example, which is typically... A Russian new move to continue to hurt Russians? No, to continue to hurt Europe. Okay, but you said Russia. Sorry, continue to hurt Europe. A country like China, for example, which is typically risk-averse but has a long history in Africa, may be interested in scooping up uh, more of their gas. So it's all about every time you see a coup happening around the world, question it. I'm not saying it's always going to be um, world powers world economic powers but right now you literally have russia on the world stage moving chess pieces and this is one of those russian chess pieces by the way if china doesn't take the gas but agrees to deliver it to europe it will increase its influence there just as the u.s did by increasing deliveries of the liquid natural gas after it stopped the nord stream and east med pipelines yeah, so um, Zelensky fires all regional military recruitment heads over bribes to avoid uh, battle corruption accusations. So accusations of widespread bribery, which I'm sure are just accusations. They have no basis in reality, but just to be on the up and up and to, to clear the air, uh, this good-hearted, clean-minded, uh, beautiful, wonderful Ukrainian president, Z Vladimir Zelensky, is firing every head. <laughs> of the country, country's regional military recruitment centers as officials were reportedly caught accepting money from men hoping to avoid battle. We just, we, we, we reported on this and I guess it went to the top. Of course, of course it was resistance chicks reporting <laughs> that brought this about. In the latest Ukrainian corruption scandal, 112 criminal cases have been opened against military enlistment officials, offices throughout the country with Zelensky claiming that there is evidence that some took cash some took cryptocurrency in exchange for helping men avoid being sent to the front lines. In response, Zelensky has fired all the territorial heads of recruitment centers and ordered Ukrainian Commander-in-Chief General Valery, whoever, uh, to find replacements. This system should be run by people who know exactly what war is and why cynicism and bribery during the war is treason, he said in a statement. Instead, soldiers who have experienced the front or who cannot be in the trenches because they have lost their health, lost their limbs, but have uh, uh, persevered, preserved their dignity and do not have cynicism are the ones who can be entrusted with this system of recruitment. I love this. The so Zelensky says that every military commissary who faces criminal cases will be held accountable. He said that those who are not convicted, they can keep their military honors if they are willing to prove their worthiness by going to the front lines themselves. Wow. But he says the cynicism is the same everywhere. Illicit enrichment. Uh legalization of illegally obtained funds, unlawful benefit, illegal transfer of persons liable for military service. So he's like, the world is looking at us and everybody is reporting on how badly we are, we are spending their money yeah. and pocketing their money. 
And we have to do, and so this is his way of trying to cover it up. It comes just a week after Zelensky slammed the revolting practice of those involved in military recruitment after an Odessa-based official was revealed to somehow obtain a $5 million property in Spain, $5 million and a property in Spain. Meanwhile, according to the Ukrainian news sites ZN.UA, the Ministry of Defense has been accused of potential corruption as some 4,900 jackets purchased from Turkey were bought for $421,000 and should have only cost $142,000. So okay, that's, so that's Joe Biden bit, is yeah. still trying to pass an additional $24 billion to Ukraine. Republicans are blocking the latest round of funding because they have alleged the previous uh, corruption there. And this week, the Heritage Action Acting Executive Director, Ryan Walker, told Breitbart that... Um, the um, that before any more American tax dollars should be sent to Ukraine, they need an accounting of the 113 billion that have already been sent. Yeah, you're not going to see that. You're not going to see any accounting. All right. Righteous indignation. Conservative deputy chair tells migrants to blank off back to France that they don't like Britain. This is kind of crazy. Lee Anderson, the bullish conservative lawmaker, has underlined the whole point of accommodating migrants awaiting asylum decisions on a converted barge. So they, they tried to put these migrants on a converted barge, but now I will I have, an, I have a clip that says there's some sort of bacteria found in the water, so they got all the migrants off of the barge, by the way. What? I know. So awaiting asylum decisions. In the ocean? Uh, a bacteria in the, in the oh in, in the, the channel. channel okay on a converted barge by telling them if they don't like the Spartan taxpayer funded flotel they can blank the blank off back to France. A small number of alleged asylum seekers are now being accommodated on the Bibby Stockholm, a large seagoing barge, or they were up until I'll show you in a minute. Converted to house up to 500 people, but some migrants are resisting being transferred, and pro-migrant organizations have complained. Housing arrivals in places like barges and military bases is inhumane. Mm. But the government has hit back uncharacteristically, forcibly, forcefully, telling migrants they can essentially take it or leave it. So Immigration Minister Robert Jenrick has said if migrants refuse taxpayer-funded accommodation, accommodation, that is their right, and they can fend for themselves that they choose to take that path. Others were more blunt in their view on the migrants rejecting the accommodation prepared for them. So uh, famously straightforward conservative member of parliament and uh, party deputy chair Lee Anderson said on Tuesday, if they don't like the barges, then they can blank, blank, back to France. These people come across the channel in small boats. If they don't like the conditions they are housed in, then they should go back to France or better not come in the first place. Inevitably, the remarks were had a divided opinion. So I have a clip here. If you bring up um, Nigel Farage with this guy right here. Isn't it the truth that your party has completely and utterly failed everyone? So all big talk about saying, hey, um, if you don't want to be here, you can go back to France. It's just a bunch of talk and blustery, blusteryliness here. Not this one. Yes. This one? Okay. Lee, we've got you as a party deputy chairman. We've got the Home Secretary, Suella Braverman. We've got lots of tough talk. And yet, let's be frank, let's be honest, it's your government, which you've been, you know, you've been there in the Commons since 2019. You have overseen this total failure. And you may use the F word. And Suella may talk about life sentences for dodgy solicitors. But isn't the truth of it, your party has completely and utterly failed everyone. 
Listen, Nigel, I'm not going to sit here and make excuses to anyone. This is out of control. We're, the, we, you know, we're in power at the moment. I'm, I'm uh, as you say, the deputy chair of the Conservative Party. We're in government and we have failed on this. There's, there's no doubt about it. You know, we said we're going to fix it. It is a failure. Look, we have got policies in place. And I know it's, it's a bit hard for the British public at the moment to, to actually, you know, understand what we're trying to do with the Rwanda flights uh, and, and the changing legislation, the illegal migration bill. And it seems very slow, it's cumbersome. We're up against it, Nigel, let's be honest. We've got the lefty lawyers, we've got the, the human rights campaigners, we've got the charities, everything's against us. But no, it's, I'm not making excuses, it's slowing us down. You know, if the whole of Parliament and was behind us in this, I, I'm sure this would have got through by now, but look, I'm not going to sit here, Nigel, and make excuses. It makes me sick every time I see a boat uh, come across the channel. It makes me furious when I see them putting hotels and on barges. And, and I've been contacted tonight by a soldier, an old soldier that served in, in Ireland in the 70s. And he told me that he was 19 years old in Northern Ireland and they were cramped in these barracks. They couldn't leave for 20 hours a day and they weren't sure whether or not they were, was going to come yeah. home alive. Now, if we can treat our own soldiers like that, then these migrants need to look up and think no. this is a great country. I get the point. The Napier yeah. barracks in folks yeah. that in Kent were good enough for national servicemen but not yeah. good enough for those that cross the channel. All right, so 41 migrants, including three children, are feared to uh, be dead after shipwrecked last week in the Mediterranean. This is another um, migrant catastrophe, and we'll get back to the UK in a second. Uh, UN agency cited, citing four survivors brought to the Italian island of Lampedusa on Wednesday. Their metal boat overturned in bad weather during the night of Thursday to Friday after setting from the Tanzanian port of uh, uh, Safax said a joint statement from the UN Agencies for Refugees, Children, and uh, Migration. The survivors, a 13-year-old boy on his own, a woman and two men, drifted for days before being rescued by a merchant ship on Tuesday. They were finally brought to Lampedusa by the Italian Coast Guard on Wednesday. In a separate statement, the Italian Red Cross, which manages the Migrant Reception Center on the island, said the four were generally in good health. They reported to be from the Ivory Coast and Guinea and were unrelated to the missing migrants, it said. Interesting. Safax prosecutor's office said it was opening an investigation to anyone who helped the migrants illegally cross maritime borders into Tanzania, causing their deaths. The shipwreck is one of several deadly incidents reported in recent days after a period of bad weather. On, officials on Monday had reported that 16 migrants had died in shipwrecks off the coast of Tanzania and Western Sahara. And on Sunday, the UN's migration agency, the International Organization for Migration, said that at least 30 people were missing after two shipwrecks of Lampedusa. The tiny island, located just 90 miles from Tanzania, is the first port of call for many migrants heading from North Africa to Europe. But many of them do not survive, making the central Mediterranean migrant crossing the world's deadliest. More than 1,800 people died attempting the route so far this year. Wow. According to uh, the um, IMO figures from Friday, more than double the fatalities in the same period last year. So the four survivors told the Red Cross they had survived by floating on inner tubes, a statement from the EU Border uh, Patrol Agency said. And then the boat was adrift, so Frontex raised the alarm and the four were rescued. And uh, these people are sent to their slaughter. An investigation into Sunday's shipwrecks has been opened um, in on the Italian island of Sicily. So these sub-Saharan migrants, when they're leaving from Tanzania, they're on these low-cost iron boats, and these boats break after 20 or 30 hours of navigation. That's just there. They know that this happens. It says, with this kind of sea, these boats capsize easily. It is very likely that there are many more shipwrecks than those that we know about. That is the real fear. So... 
um, what migrants use to cross the channel from France to uh, UK are one-time use boats, and uh, they actually had a, they had a not quite as big as the 41, but six, and rightfully so, the conservatives uh, are being put their feet to the fire. A conservative uh, deputy chair has admitted that his government has failed on borders and are now out of control. A remarkable admission here from the conservative minister. And I do have a couple videos on this uh, where we're talking about the migrants here. It's certainly unusual what happened on the French side. We still await answers to. This is GB News Home and Security Editor Mark White provides the latest after dozens of migrants were rescued and brought to Dover after getting into difficulties on the English Channel. Yeah, I'll find it. Is this it? Mm-hmm. Okay, great. This is just heartbreaking. I mean, they're being lied to. Mm -hmm. So you can't get angry. I'm not angry at the migrants. They're being lied to. Why did the British vessels go so far into French territory? Well, it's certainly unusual. I don't know of this happening uh, very often. You're right. Uh, if incidents happen sort of mid-channel, then it kind of, you know, whoever can get to port uh, the quickest uh, will dispatch, and it might end up in a French port or a UK port, uh, but normally if they are clearly uh, demarked as being in uh, French waters, they would head to French ports, as indeed the 116 who were rescued yesterday of three small boats were taken to French ports. Uh, we know that the Dover lifeboat attended this incident. Now that's a very fast craft. It might well have been that the decision was taken because they had the most seriously uh, injured casualties on board that vessel, that they're quicker, that Dover is a harbour, they know that they had these emergency service vehicles staging at Dover Harbour, they maybe just made the decision quick time to, to get it to Dover. That I'm sure will come out in the fullness of time. But you're right, Martin, it is unusual for an incident unfolding clearly within French waters uh, for those casualties to be brought to Dover. But they have been, uh, as I say, a full uh, emergency operation that um, swung into operation very early in the morning at Dover Harbour. Uh, they're used to it, they role play an exercise for this and sadly uh, all too often these days they have to deal with incidents in the channel that turn uh, very scary and sometimes uh, tragic in terms of loss of life. So uh, they're very used to that and again it seems from what we could see certainly from the Dover end to have been a textbook operation in the way that they responded. What happened on the French side, we still await answers to. Wow. Mm. Mm. All right, so if you go to the uh, this video I have here with GB News, that the migrants have actually been removed from this um, barge that they put them on. Catherine, I'm not have to not interrupt you just about the Bibby Stockholm barge in Dorset. Uh, we have just heard in the last few moments that asylum seekers are now being removed from the barge. They only started arriving there on Monday and a few more on Tuesday, but Legionella bacteria has been found in the water. Now they are being taken to new accommodation as a precautionary measure right now, but it's due to uh, Legionella bacteria that has been found in the water. Immigration Minister Robert Jenrick, he is understood to be chairing meetings about the situation. Let's not forget that Earlier in the week, he was saying that uh, he believed the accommodation 
was safe and decent. Yes, I mean, Pip, this is quite incredible. We had the breaking news, of course, that migrants were being moved to the barge, 15, 16, 19, a trickle. And now it looks like they're being taken back off the barge because of this bacteria. It's worth also pointing out that as it stands, no one has shown any signs of having the disease linked to this bacteria. But clearly there are concerns that the safety of those on the barge has been compromised in one way or another just by the existence of this bacteria in the water surrounding it. So this is an unfolding story, but wow. So Yeah, uh, unbelievable. And also uh, Rishi Sunak, it's going to be uh, not good news for no. him because this week, this whole week, the government have been talking about uh, their stop the boats week. Uh, all their all their initiatives. And then we heard about the numbers of boats that have been crossing the channel since 2018. That has passed 100. Thank farcical, isn't it, really? I mean, watching well, those going onto the barge and now they're being taken off. Meanwhile, we've but had why are they being moved onto the barge? Because there is such a huge asylum backlog yeah. and the government have failed to tackle it despite being in power for 13 years. And yesterday, 755 people crossed the channel in dinghies. So you do the math. Clearly, there is a need for huge amounts of accommodation. And there were going to be, over the next few months, up to 500 single men on this barge. Now, these health issues, this uh, Legionella bacteria, which is commonly found in water, that has been detected with only a few people on it. I mean, not many people are on this barge so far because uh, some, as we know, actually refused to get on. But the immigration minister only on Wednesday described the barge as perfectly decent accommodation. Many people would beg to disagree with the news that migrants are now being moved off the barge because Legionella bacteria has been found. Wait so a minute. I'm wondering about all the other boats like there that were right there. Do you see all the other boats? I'm like so confused like about this because the so what is the fear of the bacteria being found in the water? It's not like you're going swimming. If, if this was a, a boating where we're going tubing or something like that, like or jet skiing, you know, like how does the water touch the people on a barge? I it's just an excuse. It's just an excuse. It's absolutely that, It's the excuse. poorest excuse. They have to come up with something. They should have found a bacteria on the barge. Would you find play, something would you better? Nigel Farage clip. This is embarrassing. Like everybody knows what you're doing. This is, oh, I can't even with these people. Seven. Oh, but they did make a point. Seven hundred and fifty in one day the other day. Crossed. Seven hundred and fifty single men, young men. If it wasn't so serious, you literally would think this was carry on up the English Channel. Okay, so we're looking at about 700 crossing the English Channel today, maybe more by midnight tonight. They're coming in these new, very, very big boats, and as ever, it's 90% plus young men. But one of the Border Force boats, Volunteer, broke down this morning. In fact, Border Force appeared to be pretty absent. The RNLI from Ramsgate, right the way through Dover, the little stone inflatable Dungeness, it was all RNLI out there this morning doing all the work. Not only did one of the Border Force boats break down, but now their drone has crashed into the English Channel and without doubt it has sunk. It is another completely chaotic, catastrophic, useless day. I know you're on holiday, Rishi. 
So over in um, Sweden, Germany, and Canada, there's um, Etrians carry out vendettas from home. Very interesting article here from Breitbart. Flaming cars, violent clashes, dozens of people detained as one of the world's most repressive countries marks 30 years of independence. So there are these festivals held by Etrias dysphoria uh, in Europe and North America, and they've been attacked by exiles that regime, dis that regime dismisses as asylum scum. So people who fled from the Horn of Africa nation say the violence against festivals in Germany, Sweden, and Canada are protests against a repressive government that's been described as the North, Afri North Korea of Africa. Some allege that proceeds from festivals might support the government. Hundreds of thousands of people have fled Atria over the years, many setting off into the deserts of Sudan and then North Africa in attempts to reach Europe. President uh, Iasis uh, Afwerki, 77, has led Atria since it won independence from Ethiopia in a long guerrilla war. There have been no elections. There's no free press, exit visas are required, and many young people are forced into military service with no end date, human rights groups in the United Nations experts say. So the violence at some Atrian festivals shows the bitter split in the dysphoria between supporters of the government and their children, often protected by foreign passports, and exiles who fear for their loved ones back home. Atria's government uh, speaks harshly about those who flee and accuses the West of trying to weaken the country by depopulating it. On Friday, Information Minister Yamane Gebremenskel asserted that the attacks on the festivals were part of that strategy. Complicity in attempts to disrupt decades-old Atrian festivals using foreign thugs uh, reflects abject failure of asylum scum, he said in a message posted on social media. The minister later criticized the distorted portrayal of the community's joyous events. So um, one member of the Atrian community in Europe who leads an organization that seeks to seeks regime change in Atria told the Associated Press that a separate group called the Brigade Na, Na, Nam Edu was set up last year to counter what it calls the government's hate speech and war propaganda. The word Nahamedu, thank you, means being ready to fight and sacrifice. Our movement helped and participated in recent rallies against the so-called Atrian Festival. We wrote in an email, in pursuit of regime change, the new group plans to act via lawful democracy. So you've got these Atrians in other nations who are fighting each other. Wow. And, dis and, and disrupting their festival. So... Uh, in July of 2023, participants of the counter-demonstration of the Atrian Festival, it looks like in Italy, there were riots around the uh, particular festival. So some Atrians and the state-backed media have blamed attacks in Stockholm, Toronto, and the German town of uh, Geisen in part of ethnic uh, Tigrinians from northern Ethiopia. That's where Atrian forces joined Ethiopia's military in fighting a two-year war against uh, Tigray forces until a peace deal was made in November. Atrian forces were accused of some of the worst atrocities, including gang rape. Mm. Okay, so one U.S.-based advocate for many uh, Tigranian, Tigranians told the AP, it is ridiculous to blame Tigranians of the global Atrian movement against the age-long dictator Asmara. We are not part of this movement. So there, somebody is saying this is not a festival. They are teaching their children hate speech, one protester said. Hmm. So this is an imported battle into Europe, Sweden, Germany, Canada, and craziness um, ensues. Wow. Huh. When you're watching that, there's got to be more to that story. What, what do you mean more no, to Yeah, story? I mean, I think there's, there's a lot of that. There's got to be more to that. I mean, we were talking about Atria's government and their, um, you've got Atrian, you've got Atria. 
And then you've got these Etrian migrants. And half of them are support in the current very repressive government, and half of them are not. And the Etrians who overthrew and fought with the Ethiopians yeah. were raping and doing horrible things. Yeah. So the so the festival was for in support of the Etrian government, and the other Etrians feel like the other Etrians are saying that they, you know, it's kind of like Fidel Castro. Those Cubans who might be for him and those mm -hmm. Cubans who might be against him, and yeah. they're having, but they're bringing their, their fights and their battles to Europe, yeah. Yeah. right? It's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. Speaking of crazy, let's do a little update in Maui for a, a moment because this is it's really sad as the death toll rises there. Maui uh, wildfire death toll reaches 93, and authorities warn total scale of losses not yet known. Um, you can play that video when you find the article. Bless you. <coughs> I think I have to sneeze like once every show just to be gross. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the death toll from a wildfire that raised a historic Maui town, Lahini, uh, Lahaina, whichever Lahaina. however you say it, Lahaina, Lahaina, reached 93 late Saturday night as Hawaiian authorities warned the effort to find the identity of and identify the dead uh, was still in its early stages. Like recording a tornado, you don't fire just like I wouldn't stand there. Michelle. I just don't know how my biggest fear with fire is not being burned alive. If you will pass out before you are before you burn alive for, for most people, you're not going to just burn alive, you will so, pass out from smoke inhalation. This person recording, shouldn't they run somewhere? They're just going to stand there like there's fire all around. How do you have the calm presence of mind to just record? Crazy. I would not be staying in town. And it's interesting how certain things caught fire and certain things did not. some aftermath whole buildings just utterly destroyed but a car didn't catch on fire there but that car caught on fire right and then all these trees did not catch fire but then like a gas station did and other trees did and um we played this, this, part of this part of Friday. yeah you can, you can skip a few 
Wow, that looks like a, like a historic building just gone. All right, once you scroll down to some of these pictures, you can see uh, kind of the cleanup that's going to, I don't know how you clean up. Hundreds remain unaccounted for uh, uh, while still more fill shelters across Maui after fleeing the fast moving flames. This is a metal building that just kind of melted. Yeah, we can only wait and support those who are living. Our focus now is to reunite people. Uh, when we can and get them housing, get them health care. Uh, Lahaina, a town of uh, about 12,000 and former home of the Hawaiian royal family, has been reduced to ruins. But the uh, Bayan tree at the center of the community for 150 years has been scarred by the flames but still stands upright. Dogs work the rubble. Their occasional bark used to alert their handlers to possible corpse echoed over the lot and colorless landscape. The inferno slept through a centuries-old town. So I got a couple more videos. I don't know why that one's up. Let me, let me see. Here we go. I we I do not want to go into any conspiracy theories today on this, but this is a conspiracy theory. One. Okay. And people want to know how it burned in a circle. So you guys can post in the chat, but we're not going to discuss conspiracy theories on it. But go okay. ahead. So people want to know why it burned in a circle. And why that's burning in a circle. That circle right there. Have you ever seen a fire burn in a circle? That's well, what question. is that area? Is it water? Or is that... They're saying that this Lahaina city is circled by fire. There yeah. are plausible explanations for that, but I will say this, even though Leah says we can't go into conspiracy theories on today's show, I'm not buying uh, Flashback. The, the narrative. Three arrested after suspicious fires started on Maui, two charged with arson in 2022. So, well, we, will, we will cover this. May of 2022, John Hiss... Christelle Kaneku and Stephen Sorrow are, were arrested after a series of suspicious brush fires were reported as a wildfire that has killed at least 55 and left thousands are without shelter continues to wreak havoc on Maui. A story from 2022 has resurfaced of a group arrested on the Hawaiian Island after setting a series of suspicious brush fires in May of 2022. These three, were apprehended in connection with a series of suspicious brush fires. A total of six brush fires were reported with a 90-minute window burning around five acres in central Maui. Uh, Hills, Hillis was charged with a second-degree arson for one fire in Panuni and four-degree arson with another started in Waluku, according to Maui News. Um, Hillis was also hit with a slew of gun charges. Kaneku was charged with a second-degree arson in connection with the Panuni fire. Police said that Hillis and Kanuku, Kanuka were seen buying a gas can, lighter fluid, Lysol, and charcoal at a local store just before the fire started. Uh, Seral, described as uh, Kaneku's boyfriend, was not charged with arson. He was instead arrested for violating bail conditions and <clears throat> contempt of court. 
The reemergence of the story comes as wildfires continue to burn across the island, with at least, we know now, 93 being reported dead. The exact cause of the current fire is currently unknown, but much of Hawaii has been under a red flag warning for fire risk. We don't know what actually ignited the fires, but we were made aware in advance by the National Weather Service that we were in a red flag situation. So that's uh, dry conditions for a long time. So the fuel, the trees, and everything was dry. So we do know that somebody wanted to start fires. Why did they want to start fires? So Donna says, isn't the circle just the edge of the fire burning outwards? You would think that that's a possibility. However, given different things that it would catch on, it wouldn't remain that circular, right? It would branch out some, you know what I mean? Because certain things are going to burn at certain rates uh, faster than others. Um, but I do, I still do think that there is, there's, there's a, there's always a plausible explanation, but they also have plausible explanations for many miracles in the old Testament. So, um, just because you have a possibility of plausible explanations doesn't mean that those are the explanations. Um, uh, this video has surfaced update on Lahaina. Hundreds of homes have been completely taken out of, uh, by fire. The people are suffering. There are not enough supplies. And here is a video that somebody took of them the in the ocean. Oh, wow. You're going to be okay, Milo. Holy fuck. Both sides, to the left and the right, are on fire. White smoke starting to come, which means the fire is starting to die out. <laughs> Fucking scary. I'm telling you, the smoke inhalation is the is the scariest thing to me because the fires are so sporadic you really could avoid the fires but if you know you pass out like the, the clip of the lady that we showed on friday then the fire could come to you almost almost rescued yeah that's terrifying and let's keep in mind, guys, that we're not talking about a tsunami here. When you are when you look at coastal cities, we think, well, we look at tragedies, like mass, mass tragedies that affect whole towns. We generally think of tornadoes, tsunamis, you know, hurricanes, things like that, okay? This is a fire, and... Fires can happen anywhere. So get your life right with God. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Um, I have one more of a person who says that they don't believe this was a natural disaster. And they I thought were... you said we weren't doing all that. I'm For just the last four days. Oh. I'm going to let other people say okay. I'm not going to do the commentary. Right. I'm, a, I'm just reporting. Okay. I have been trapped in Lahaina for the last four days. And I experienced firsthand what was going on there. 
What I went through is not important. I need to get this message out. This was not a natural disaster. This was a direct energy attack on the people and the place of Maui. If you know what lives there, what descendants live there, you know why. And you know why it happened on 8-8. And if this is not something that you believe, it's time to stop being a sheep. They came in and they took control. There were trees standing and the buildings gone. This system, this weather system came in from the mountains, from the east. That does not happen. They were not telling people anything. They were not letting people in to help. And they were letting people go in to get burned alive. There were people burning alive in the streets. There were people dead in the water. There were hundreds, if not thousands of people that died. What they're telling you in the news is not true. And I lived it firsthand. I sat with the people. This is not to bring fear. This is to educate because there is darkness that is being hidden. And soon people are going to see. I know now why Gaia sent me there. And I'm going to use this platform. There was no warning. There was no nothing. Please boost this post. I want everybody to see this. So Gaia must be some what's some ancient god, I'm sure. And so I don't know what she was referring. If you know who or what lives there, I don't know anything about the eight eight. I will say this though, that there are people that are talking about this being a land grab, uh, because Lahaina. Now there's a lot of millionaires and billionaires that live on Maui. Lahaina is an ancient town and owned mostly by people who have lived there generationally. And so there are accusations that the idea is to have a land grab from the, the indigenous people there who have lived there for years and they just want their land. That's being talked about. Yeah, so if uh, we do talk about any more conspiracy theories about it, it will be on our, when we say goodbye to Facebook. So before we say goodbye to Facebook, and actually all of my cool clips about the WHO and the vaccine are coming up in like four minutes on so rumble only i need you guys there is no subscription for this by the way it's free i need you on facebook just I'm, facebookers i'm dropping the link in the chat on facebook for rumble go to, or you can just go to rumble.com and go to the resistance chicks channel resistance chicks or rumble.com forward slash resistance chicks um, but I've got the link for the Rumble video in the chat. If you want to see the rest of today's have, awesome show. I've got Australia with 3,000 nurses not be able not being able to work because of the jab mandate. Your God. I've got Christine Anderson in the EU Parliament. And She's she so wait, She fire. breaks down the WHO, all the craziness. I have a special clip for you that is actually part of world news, but it comes from Maria Bartotomo and Ron Johnson. And yeah. Ron Johnson says... They planned this. It's a, from Event 201. So you guys are not going to want to miss this All clip. the best clips are coming up. You do not want to miss this So clip. if you're watching on Facebook right now, 
go to our Rumble channel. Like Leah said, we don't have some sort of Steven Crowder mug club or some sort of subscription-based thing where if you want to see the rest of this content, you've got to pay five bucks a month, okay? It's free. It's free. Just click. Go to the Rumble channel right now. Do you have anything else you want to say? Um, to no, because we're going to go say we, we are going to discuss the pandemic. I've got clips from Lula in Brazil saying he wants the global, global government. So if you want, and I've got um, one clip here from Nigel Farage as a little uh, a little teaser here. Uh, he is talking about woke quotas. You know what? We're going to leave all of that. All of that for Rumble. So woke quotas. And then I have one clip for you about Andrew Tate and no, uh, comparing God. Andrew Tate to Jordan Peterson on sexual ethics. I want to read one comment from Facebook before we go. Dr. Lynn Duffy says, um, I do truly believe that this is a land grab because they did it to three tribes in our country. I don't know where you're from. Um, in just the last nine months, our government offered them billions and billions of dollars to relocate and move them only in the next two months to take over their land, take control of the water rights mm -hmm. and the oil that was underneath the ground. I knew what they were doing. And sure wow. enough, within just a couple of months, our government did that and they've done it time and time again. Do not trust them. I have heard many reports where individuals were not told, people were not um, warned, and no one is reporting about this, but the fire department was actually on strike at this moment. They were on strike. There was no one to send in help to these people. I do agree with her that this was targeted. Wow. Well, thank you, Dr. Who? Dr. Lynn Duffy. Dr. Lynn Duffy. Well, I hope you, uh, is that on Facebook? That was on Facebook. I hope you come over to the Click on the Rumble link because um, I am going to actually just go ahead and play this clip from Owen Schroyer on InfoWars, and we are going to discuss whether this was something more nefarious here. Um, okay, yeah. Facebook people, y'all know what to do. I should see the numbers dropping. They're rising. They're rising. I you want don't want to. You drop. don't want to miss this. You want to okay. go over to the Rumble channel. So, was there something with Harp? Was there something with Direct Energy? Let's let's, let's dig and find out. All right, Woo. so Corinne Brandy, hi Corinne, um, says Dane Wigington at geoengineeringwatch.org is the best source on this, DEWs, um, that's the direct energy weapons. She says metal boats burn in the ocean, question mark, looks just like Paradise, California, where the DEWs are, in, are on video. And then she says, no firefighters, no trucks. Um, and then America First PHL says, hi all, a caller on Band.Video with Owen stated Maui Mayor signed contracts to build high-rise apartments six weeks ago exactly where the fire burned. Okay, we're going to bring that right up. So I'm glad you guys are here on Rumble because go to, um, let's see, let's go to this one. All right, we're going to play that and hopefully we don't have a Sandy Hook moment. Just kidding. Ah. <laughs> All right, let's see what Owen has to say here. We are going to investigate all possible... So when possible... I see what's going on in Maui, something the likes of which has never been seen before, I start to get a little curious. Because we've had some fires here in Austin, Texas, and, and pretty much every time it gets traced back to a homeless camp. It's just homeless shanty towns in the woods. They have a fire, it gets out of control, whatever. Uh, happens kind of regularly here now. Sometimes it gets really bad, though. They just lost an entire apartment complex this week because of a Cedar Park fire. But that was one of about five brush fires that started up. The other ones, they got under control. So we kind of know what that is. But what happened in Maui is something else. Now, you look at that. Just gut reaction. You look at that, you say, wow, that looks like they just got hit with a bomb or a weapon. Now, just to be clear here. 
I'm not telling you that Maui got hit with a weather weapon or an energy-directed weapon. In fact, if I had to place money on it and tell you what I really think, I'd say, no, probably not. This is either natural or something that can be explained through ground-level activity. However, I'm not so naive to think that this type technology doesn't exist and if it does, then it wouldn't be used against us right now in these pivotal moments. Ladies and gentlemen, China has the United States in a lot of different ways by the balls. They own the presidency. They own the Democrat Party. They control most of the resources. They're stockpiling up on everything right now. Gold, energy, fuel, you name it. They're strategically moving against Taiwan so there can't be a naval blockade. They're building islands in the South China Sea and nobody's stopping them. They're setting up military bases in Cuba, in Canada, right next to the United States. So I'm just saying. Now, there are images that I'm not confirming and I even hesitate to put on air I told the crew if you find them great if not I really don't care because I don't know every time there's a big fire like this or power outage or whatever everybody finds some image of a directed energy weapon coming yeah. from the sky hitting the ground right sometimes there's even videos so I I'm not telling you that's what this is I'm not even telling you that's what I believe But this thing has become such a phenomenon, and it used to be if InfoWars wasn't covering this stuff, it wouldn't get any noise. And maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it's not. Maybe we don't have to do that anymore because there's all these other independent researchers looking into this and sharing this information. But, folks, this, this fire in Maui was incredibly devastating. Incredibly devastating, and in a very short period of time and you know i'll just uh, you know not not to not to divert much but there's something else weird going on here do you remember that pfizer plant that got hit and and devastated with the supposed tornado well well let's just say there was no tornado and and now there's like a very serious cover-up and investigation going on at that facility So what really went on in Maui? Could it have been just a fire that started and was raged out of control? And they say, oh, it was caused by the weather. That's literally what they're saying. It was caused by the weather. So they'll eventually move on to this was caused by climate change. But they're saying, oh, it was a it was an extreme weather event that caused this. And then the wind came in and a hurricane. Um, well, that's what they're telling us is the official story. their lives in fact i believe it's it and they twitter. start using that okay this on twitter i think it was just that oh, i think okay, this was yeah okay all right so speaking of conspiracy theories um this is not a conspiracy theory australia is still without 3,000 nurses because they're not able to work because of the covid jab mandate Years on from the height of the COVID pandemic, Queensland Health is right now deciding whether frontline workers still need to be vaccinated. 3,000 nurses are off work due to the mandate, and even though the review continues, Nine News can reveal unvaccinated nurses are being sacked in the midst of a workforce crisis. 
By the government's own admission, Queensland is battling the effects of a global health workforce shortage. Our state's nurses under incredible strain. Many are leaving the profession because they're worried that a patient's going to die on their watch because they don't have the capacity to provide safe care. Despite that, thousands of qualified nurses are currently barred from coming to work. During the COVID pandemic, nurses, like other healthcare workers, on the front line were told they needed to be vaccinated. Last month, Queensland Health announced that requirement is now under review. The union says there are at least 3,000 nurses waiting for the outcome. Nurses who have been stood down for two years continue to receive text messages from their overburdened wards crying out for staff to take extra shifts. They are ready to take up that call if they're given the chance. But even with the review into vaccine requirements underway, nurses are being sacked. At least 10 from various hospitals sent termination letters like this in the past few weeks. You have failed to follow a reasonable and lawful direction to comply with the vaccination requirements, adding, due to the serious nature of the allegation, the disciplinary action chosen was termination of employment. Queensland Health must cease all disciplinary proceedings immediately and redirect their efforts to reinstating 3,000 healthcare workers to a system that's on the brink of collapse. One nurse who has been sacked telling Nine News you don't realise until it happens just how devastating it feels. There are just no words. After faithfully serving in a difficult career for nearly 40 years, I've just been discarded and permanently labelled. In the past hour, I've heard from Queensland Health about our story. We asked when the review will be complete. It'll only say in the next few months. But in a statement, a spokesperson confirmed the review will also consider the impact of any recommendations on the health workforce shortages that we are facing. The government has said human resource processes are a matter for Queensland Health. In the termination letters, it's been acknowledged the disciplinary action will be going on the nurses' record. So it's obviously something they are hugely worried about, getting a job moving forward. Andrew and Melissa will stay across this story. That's yeah, a huge loss of staff, isn't it? Jess, thank you. That is insane and crazy, but it's not unheard of. And this is, this is part of the plan, right? This is the part of the plan to work with the World Economic Forum to, to bow down to the WHO. Uh, it's, it's designed to, to keep you in place. And I think that this is a good time to play um, Eva here talking about the World Economic Forum's plans to impose a personal carbon allowance. All of this is, is to funnel you into their control. How much will you take? How, how many directives will you follow? What directives won't you follow? They want to find out. You can close that one down. Uh, not that one. That one. Sorry. Oh. And that. Uh, we're going to go to that one. Why don't you just one. find it? Yeah. Find it. it was the one on the end. Mm -hmm. Of course it was. Easy peasy. Now, Ava, just as a reminder, she's She's in... uh, the Dutch farmer advocate. Yeah. Is this the video? The digital identity mm -hmm. is not just a passport that you will have on, an, on your iPhone mm -hmm. in a digital form. It entails just about everything the government would like to know about you. Mm -hmm. And yesterday in the Dutch media, we saw a perfect example of what it could entail in the near future. Mm -hmm. We had the CEO of one of the largest Dutch banks say, 
why don't we start with a personal carbon credit? Oh. A carbon wallet, she called it actually. Yeah. So right in line with the plans that the World Economic Forum people have for us. And she said it in a way that was particularly funny. She said, well, if everyone gets an individual personal carbon credit, why don't we make it so that rich people who, for example, want to go on holiday a little too often, uh -huh. can buy personal carbon credit from other people who, for example, can't afford buying plane tickets or eating meat too right often. Now? So we can that way swap it out. Oh, so, so if, if Bill Gates uh, or Leonardo DiCaprio's carbon footprint is getting a bit too big, uh, then some peasant living in his hovel up country somewhere can sell his, uh, and he can't afford to go to Saint-Tropez, but he'll be able to sell his carbon allowance to Leonardo DiCaprio so Leonardo can park his yacht in Saint-Tropez for a couple of extra days. Exactly right, that's it. So what will happen is the, richer, the rich will get richer, the poor will get poorer, and they're saying it openly as if it's not a controversial yeah. thing at all. Yeah. It's neo-feudalism, that's yeah. what it is. She says, let's ensure that every household or every citizen in the Netherlands receives a certain amount of carbon emissions right now. elke burger een hoeveelheid uitstootrechten krijgen, zodat we opgeteld, ja, niet meer uitstoten dan onze grens. you do not emit more than your yearly limit. Vervolgens kunnen we... Let me just mute this. And then your rights can be sorted in a carbon wallet. So if I want to fly, I buy some carbon emissions rights from someone who can't afford to fly, for example. This way, this poor person can earn some extra money. Or if someone lives in a small house, he can sell his emission rights to someone who lives in a big house. This way, poor people can benefit from the green economy. Wow. I don't even have words for that. I literally do not have words for that. I bet our viewers do. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so I don't know if I have the, the Croatian guy up. So I have to scroll down here through my very stealth Twitter feed. Here he is. All right. Oh, um, Vera, All right, I would so like Croatian a short... MEP, Mislav Kolkosuk, uh, doesn't mince words, to the EU Parliament. It would be healthier and safer for humanity to sign an agreement with the Colombian drug cartel than with the World Economic Forum. I would like uh, shortly to um, Vera people from upcoming uh, danger for humanity. The World Health Organization wants all countries to sign an agreement on handing over the authority to declare a pandemic, procure vaccine and drugs. It will be healthier and safer for humanity to sign agreement with the Colombian drug cartel. They know all about drugs for sure. During the COVID pandemic, World Health Organization only told lies it should be declared a terroristic organization. They lie. That is a new and known virus. That is possible to make an effective vaccine. That the vaccine is 82% effective. That is protects against serious illness and deaths. That all, of course, were foolish and lies today. World Health Organization is more dangerous for humanity than World Economic Forum. Thank you. Wow. 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 That's really powerful. I have another video here from the front. It's a bit shoot. I've got um, Christine Anderson at the EU Parliament. This one or a different one? 
Um, I think there might be two. You know what? Let's go over to this one. Let's go to the Wide Awake Media one. German MEP Christine Anderson. The so-called pandemic was a beta test conducted by unelected globalists. Not that one. This was Wide Awake Media, too. Yeah, there's a couple. Okay. I'm she's got a, it. She's got go. a, yeah, right. Got it. COVID madness, this so-called pandemic, it was just a test balloon, a gigantic test balloon. Well, for what, you ask? Well, to see how far they could go, to see what exactly they would have to do to get free individuals in a free and democratic society to consent to be enforced into compliance. That's what they were trying to establish. That's what they were trying to figure out. And they have, they have figured it out. Trust me, they are much smarter now. The goal ultimately is to transform our free and democratic societies um, yeah, into totalitarian societies. Their goal is to strip each and every one of us of our fundamental rights of freedom, democracy, the rule of law. They want to get rid of all of this. This whole COVID thing had never anything to do with public health. It never had anything to do with breaking waves. It always had to do with breaking people in order to make us a part of a mindless, malleable mass, which they can totally control and we will be completely dependent upon this globalitarian elite. So I'm really imploring the people and all the peoples around the world, for God's sake, stop giving your democratically elected governments the benefit of the doubt. They are not deserving of that. They are not. Stop rationalizing whatever your government is doing. Try, stop rationalizing and come up with some good intentions. They have no good intentions. <laughs> never. As I said before, in the entire history of mankind, there has never been a political elite concerned about the well-being of regular people. And it isn't any different now. Why should it? Stop giving them the benefit of the doubt. Because I can tell you, you cannot comply your way out of a tyranny. It is impossible. Trying to do so, you will only feed a gigantic alligator in the hopes of being eaten last. But guess what? Your turn will come, and then you will be the one swallowed up. I also have to ask the people, end your silence. Speak up. For God's sake, stop complying. Start rebelling. They're out to get you if you do not resist. You know, wow. and once again, it's worth noting that I believe that they they think that they did learn things and that mm -hmm. they'll be able to pull something like this off again mm -hmm. but we are emboldened we are emblazoned and they will not get the compliance that they had last time because they caught us off guard fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me we will not be fooled again
I have never heard the word emblazoned be used that way before, but okay. We I mean, it's, it's just extraordinary to me that, uh, you know, the government emblazoned. was working emblazoned. with social media to amplify lies and suppress truth and has been doing so repeatedly. Why couldn't the American people know that, you know, there were other alternatives to treat COVID? Why, why can't the American people know that there were side effects with the vaccine? This is all pre-planned by an elite group of people. That's what I'm talking about. Event 201 that occurred in late 2019, prior to the rest of us knowing about this pandemic. Again, yeah. yeah, this is very concerning in terms of what has happened, what is happening, uh, what continues to be planned for our loss of freedom. Um, mm -hmm. Again, it needs to be exposed, but unfortunately there, there are very few people, even in Congress, that are willing to take a look at this. Uh, they, they all push the vaccine. Uh, they don't want to, you know, be, be made aware of the fact that the vaccines might have caused injuries, might have caused death. But, you know, so, so many people just simply don't want to admit they were wrong and they're going to do everything right. they can to make sure that they're not proven wrong. We're, well, we're up against people, a very powerful group of people here, Maria. But, you know, fortunately, you say, what can we do? Well, you know, we do have reporters like yourself, like John Solomon, other people that have the, the courage to report the truth against the mainstream media and against the narrative. But that's the only way this is going to be solved, is we need the truth to be exposed. We need more Americans to listen to the truth, to be exposed to the truth, to pull their heads out of the sand, quite honestly, open up their eyes and understand what is happening in this country. We are going down a very dangerous path, but as a path is being laid out and planned by an elite group of people that want to take total control over our lives. And that's what they're doing bit by bit. They do it by increasing ma you know, massive government spending, increasing the size of government, uh, takeover of the WHO. These amendments that are coming up uh, that are going to be voted on in 2024 on the WHO are frightening, and they, they really risk taking away all of our sovereignty. Uh, people have to awake up, awaken to the dangers of the moment. Wow. That is, for a reminder for our world viewers, that is a U.S. senator who just said that event 201 was the planning grounds for COVID-19. That's as big as it gets. And he said it on Fox News of all places. Like, that's giant. Patriot Gallery said she shared it on Gab and it exploded. Everybody started sharing that clip everywhere. It's like, oh my gosh. Yeah, you guys, that's on, uh, on my, I think it's on my, I don't know if that I know it's on, on Gab. I don't know where else it is. You can just put up, I'll put in Rob jo Ron Johnson event 201. All right. So here's another clip here with Do I asked Dr. Drew about was the COVID pandemic planned? Yes, but we will hear his explanation mm -hmm. here. I want to make sure I'm, I'm not, not sure I'm getting what the implication of that is before you go on to the next part. Is it was, what is the implication yeah, of, of those observations? Could you, so, could you hear so that at all in, guys? Yeah. yeah. So in September, of 20 September 18th 2019 the World Health Organization got together and published in a thing called the Global Preparedness Monitoring Board published a statement mm -hmm. that said that we were going to actually have a respiratory pathogen release and that respiratory path pathogen release this is their words straight out of their document would by September 2020 lead the world to accept a universal vaccine in on, on the 19th of September, the White House signed what became the precursor to Operation Warp Speed, which was a day later when Donald Trump signed the executive order that put in place 
a rapid response vaccine production mandate as part of an executive order that was for both pan-influenza and experimental new pathogen vaccine production. That took place on the 19th of September, 2019. We have event 201 in October of 2019. And then in November, a month before patient one, allegedly in China, there is a material transfer agreement between the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hills, Ralph Barrick and Moderna, transferring a sequence of a spike protein associated with the Wuhan virus coronavirus for the production in Ralph Barrick's written statement to the Financial Times, where he says that the information he transferred was for the Moderna injection, predating patient one. So yeah, so the so the, and this Go is ahead. very clear. And I think it's critically, but that's where I was going with this. That the timeline of events makes it irrefutable that this was not. You know, we're led to believe. Remember, everybody, January. 2020, we're led to believe there's this, quote, novel, never been seen before pathogen out there, this novel virus. Yeah. And that's why it's so scary and nobody knows what to do about it. They not only knew what to do about it, they'd already had a documented material transfer to, wait for it, a big pharma company to create a vaccine for this thing. And at the exact same time, if I correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Martin, at the exact same time, Pfizer miraculously comes up with the precise formulation for a vaccine right. using the exact same thing. So there you go. So there you go. All right. Speaking of what's going to come up, right? Um, the, the the next big thing is not is is kind of the climate craziness, right? Um, and I've got this uh, article here. World leaders must be ringmasters to push green agenda, says the UN climate chief in a doomsday interview. So um, you can kind of scroll down to the picture there. World leaders must ask us, act as ringleaders to transition the global economy away from fossil fuels in order to combat the supposed impending doom. Oh, scroll down. There's a cool picture. It's not cool, but there you go. Uh, <laughs> the okay. impending doom. This is what they want to tell you. Who will stop the earth from burning? Uh, so we've got to transition the global economy from fossil fuels in order to combat the supposed impending doom of climate change. Uh, Professor Jim Skia, who was recently installed as the chairman of the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change and the top UN body on climate change science, said that political leaders need to act as ringmasters or ringmistresses of what about the ring days of ushering in the global's green agenda and force people into shifting away from fossil fuel based economy. Uh, Skia said that climate needs a society-wide effort, but that political leaders have a particular responsibility because they set the tone for it all. They are kind of the ringmasters or ringmistresses that try to coordinate the different actions. In terms of what he expects from citizens, the climate chief said that uh, to keep voting is the key issue, arguing that certain sections of citizenries have been more radical in making demands to curb emissions than just our their own government. While he acknowledged the climate extremist groups like Just Stop Oil and Extinction Rebellion may be alienating to some more moderate voters, he has said that they have been effective in keeping the issue of fossil fuels you know, in the forefront. The British academic who serves as a professor of sustainable energy at the Imperial College of London went on to argue that political action is more important than ever. Climate change is happening now. You can see it on your TV screens. You can even be looking out your window. So if you wanted to convince people that climate change was happening, would you start a wildfire? 
Yes. Yes, you would. Yeah. In terms of specific actions that the UN scientists hopes will happen. Professor Skia said the government should commit to the plans of the IPCC's uh, to, to, to commit to leaving 50% of oil reserves in the ground. If you continue to add to these reserves, it adds the amount of oil you need to leave in the ground. So that's his big answer. But I do have a clip uh, talking about from the award-winning journalist Alex Newman, the human-induced global boiling narrative. And that's what we covered a couple weeks ago. Global it's boiling. boiling. Global boiling. Would global, would global boiling the water put the fires out? No. A lot of this environmental question depends on, I think, a very flawed fundamental presupposition. It depends on the idea that carbon dioxide is pollution. And I would argue, after interviewing hundreds of scientists, including many who've worked for the UN IPCC, many of the leading scientists in the world, that the notion that CO2 is pollution is absolutely preposterous. We exhale about two pounds of it every single day. Uh, the, the proportion of greenhouse gases made up of human CO2 emissions is a fraction of a fraction of 1%. The idea that that is going to destroy the planet or change the temperature of the earth uh, is frankly, in my opinion, totally ludicrous. But from a totalitarian perspective, if you can convince people that CO2 is pollution, there's no human activity that doesn't result in CO2 emissions, including living, including dying, turning on a light switch. Every single aspect of your Breathing. life, then, if we submit to the idea that CO2 is pollution, then comes under the regulatory control of the people who claim to be saving us from pollution. So when they do these environmental studies and they say, well, your CO2 footprint will be smaller if you eat bugs or you do this, that, or the other, you drive an electric car. Um, that doesn't show anything about whether that's going to benefit the environment or not. In fact, CO2 has actually been very beneficial for the environment. Uh, in interviewing uh, Trump's climate advisor, Dr. William Happer, a physics professor at Princeton University, he said the Earth is starving for more CO2. And since we've had a little bit of an increase in atmospheric CO2 over the last 100 years or so, plants have gotten much greener, agricultural yields have improved. So I, I think we need to also talk about the fundamental presupposition here. Is CO2 really pollution? If it's not, then all these alleged environmental benefits are completely fictional. Wow. So good from Alex Newman there. He summed that up very well. You know, and when I was a kid, it was, it was uncontrovertible. You, we talked about how the trees give us life and we give the trees life. It was that simple. Like what we breathe out, they breathe in and what they breathe out, we breathe in. It's good. It's a win-win because God's an amazing designer. And he knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. So uh, Barry sent me this Instagram clip and let me, I forgot to, I, I tried to bring it up, but it went to some post on, um, is this it? Let me know. Yeah. Actually, what's so funny, go ahead and play this for them. It's just a fun video. Um, this is the video that played after the video that Barry sent me. And this is a herd of elk in Colorado. <laughs> Imagine just being stuck in your house, houses. like that one has a collar. I just, it's just, I just. Let me refresh the page because you need to see them driving in here. So many of them. Mm -hmm. I've never seen so many of them. This is in SS Colorado. Look at all of them. They get just look found the neighborhood that. that they're all gonna go rest in. <laughs> they just all up in these people's yards. <laughs> Imagine just being stuck in your house, like that one has a collar. Okay, that's hilarious. Yeah, so go to go to uh, Twitter over here. I just retweeted it. Go ahead and close that out because it's still going to keep playing. Oh, it will keep playing? Well, I guess not. It stopped. Nope. We want you to refresh because I'm going to bring this one up. This guy kind of breaks down the uh, CO2 numbers. And I haven't, like, fact-checked his numbers, but they sound right. So I'm going to play this. It's from Barry. 
and I looked at the science when it came to climate change, and this is what I found. According to government figures, Australia is producing 499 million metric tonnes of carbon dioxide per year. But what I also found is that one mature tree will absorb 48 pounds or 21.77 kilograms of carbon dioxide per year. And Australia currently has 24 billion standard sized trees absorbing 453 million metric tonnes of carbon dioxide per year. And that's just trees. Doesn't include any other plant life. In particularly, doesn't include mangroves. And mangroves will absorb 50 times more carbon dioxide per year than a standard sized tree. So why is the government hell bent on cutting down trees in order to install solar farms when it seems quite obvious from the science that nature has already provided the solution to the problem. So I did as the government asked. so and I... mad. That's one of their big things is to cut down the trees. <sighs> cut down the trees and put up the solar panels. Cut down the trees and put up the windmills. It's, it's pretty, it's, it is, it should make you mad. Uh, in Brazil, Lula has said the quiet part out loud, a global government and the UN should take sovereignty from nation states all for climate change measures because democratically elected governments may not do as they are told. Hang on, I'm trying to find it here. Mm, that might be the one I closed out. Okay, well, I'll retweet it. There you go. Okay. Let's go to my profile. Well, I can't because I'll lose one of the ones that you've got. Here. There we go. Well, then you'll lose that one. I don't need it. Okay. Didn't need it. Not going there. I lost two followers today out of my... Wait a minute. It's still not... You didn't... It's not going. Come on, Lula. Don't you want to tell people what you're doing? Try one more time. Doo -doo. You lost two followers. Were you talking about women preaching again? No, That's I usually how you lose them. No. Okay, you have to just read it. Okay, so go back to the we'll, we'll rewind. That's why Brazil has been investigating in the new global government. Investing in the new global governments. What is new global governance? Because if you make a decision here in Balem about the climate issue, and there isn't a commitment to comply, it goes back to the national state and the Congress don't always approve. And then things don't work. So we are going to have global governance. The UN needs to be re restructured. The UN cannot continue with the same structure it was created with in 1945. That's why Brazil has been investing in the new global governance. What is the new global governance? Is that it? Yep. Okay. That's it. All right. So we are going to end our show today with Neil Oliver's uh, monologue and what kind of society are we living in? Three years ago, we were shutting our country. So, come on, Neil. For a day by puppets who said the science demanded as much. Millions knew it was nonsense. Worse, that it would, doing so would cause immeasurable, unconscionable harm to young and old alike. But the millions stayed in their homes anyway. No, 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 cowed sorry. Into submission by... That's the middle one. This is the whole YouTube one. Sorry. We're going to start over. What kind of society do we have here in Britain? How much remains of the society I grew up in? Here's the good news right at the top. It's self-evident that tens of millions of people in this country and billions around the world would answer those questions the same way I do. It's my understanding that the society in which I grew to adulthood is still there, still intact. 
but that the millions who know as much have been maliciously discouraged from saying so. I'm sick of that, sick of the bullied silence. And I say, as I keep saying, that it's long past time for the billions to get angry and to act angry. So much has gone wrong here in these islands. The truth is we've stood by and let it go wrong for far, far too long. We entrusted the wrong people with our best interests. A fish rots from the head. We don't have an elected prime minister in this country. We have Rishi Sunak, a puppet set in place by a handful of his sellout colleagues in service of the markets and corporations. We have a leader of the so-called opposition, Keir Starmer, who only says a woman is an adult female when the focus groups tell him it seems like a good idea, for now anyway, empty as a cast-off snakeskin. And across the pond, the rot set in long ago as well. Corruption in the Biden family is laid bare. In spite of the best efforts of the colluding masters of social media, Hunter Biden's nefarious behaviour, money's received and cuts for the big guy, has been obvious for years and is no longer even denied. Pictures of him taking crack cocaine and spending time with prostitutes and girls of questionable age are readily available for casual viewing. Available too are the details of Hunter's income from oligarchs and kleptocrats, including the receipt for the purchase of a sports car with a cash transfer from a Kazakh oligarch. What sort of society accepts the rule of oligarchs, kleptocrats and cacocrats? The British archipelago has no meaningful border with the European mainland and thereby the rest of the world. When any of us asks just who it is that's being allowed in by the thousands and then by the millions, we're called racists and bigots. Back in 1997, liar Prime Minister Tony Blair proudly declared he and his ilk would rub Britain's noses in diversity, and so they did. The twisted, parasitic, zombie ideology of inclusivity, tolerance and diversity is inclusive and tolerant of all manner of things right enough, except the lives and Christian faith that underpinned these islands for 2,000 years. Be caught professing that Christian faith, wearing a cross maybe, or otherwise making plain belief in Jesus Christ, among all the other faiths determinedly tolerated, and prepare to be mocked, ridiculed, and all but excluded from so-called liberal society. I've no problem, not at all and quite the contrary, with any and all who declare love of God, but I have a big problem with those in our establishment who would make trouble only for Christians. I have a major problem too with those still demeaning women who choose to raise families at home instead of entering the jobs market. Mm -hmm. Who in their right mind dismisses full-time mothers as second-class citizens? Liberals do, as it turns out. Millions know what works for men, women and children, but have stood by while the stuff of honourable lives is cynically undermined. Too many are silenced while British culture and history are derided as a source of nothing but shame. We've let others make our civilization look like a brownfield site littered with rubble. No wonder others make their way here from one country after another, destabilised or destroyed by NATO and the West, which is to say by the military-industrial complex. No wonder they come when they see a place advertising itself as devoid of any identity, a vacant lot where the powers that be say anything goes and everything is free because it's already been paid for with citizens' taxes. Those arriving have no such doubts about identity and culture and faith, certain as they are about who they are, what family means, what men and women are, how they want their children raised, what God they worship. If national identity and culture are defensive weapons against all comers, then our leaders long ago embarked upon unilateral disarmament. 
unilateral disarmament is always wrong. On behalf of the millions, but without asking us, a generation of political puppets, servants of the markets and unelected, unaccountable transnational entities has laid low our culture, those ideas that gave meaning to what it has meant to be British, what it has meant to be North American. We have an establishment, or powers that be, or whatever, that wishes this country was a very different place and that we, the resident population, were a very different people. They wish we were a little people, content to live small, cold, impoverished lives devoid of aspiration. They wish we were submissive and dependent. They wish there weren't so many always asking questions. They wish we would just believe what they tell us and do what we're told. They wish we would say goodbye to farmers of meat and hello to processed, genetically modified plants and insects. They wish we didn't want the freedom of the open road and reliable cars, that we were content to remain on this island and look no further afield for holidays or anything else, indeed to look no further than 15-minute ghettos. They wish we would accept our children belong to them, to the state and its myrmidons, and not to us, their parents. They wish this country and this people were as they like to imagine us being. But wishing doesn't make it so, thank God. Instead of just wishing, the powers that be are gaslighting us instead, telling us we're wrong on so many levels and ignorant and daring us to say otherwise. Three years ago, we were shut in our homes for 23 hours a day by puppets who said the science demanded as much. Millions knew it was nonsense. Worse, that it would, doing so would cause immeasurable, unconscionable harm to young and old alike. But the millions stayed in their homes anyway, cowed into submission by baying about granny killing and covidiots. This month, the Telegraph newspaper carried a front-page story headlined Lockdown harmed emotional development of almost half of children. Stop for a minute to think about that. Harmed. My children. Your children. Millions of us refused the injections of gene therapies marketed as vaccines and were vilified, ridiculed, sacked, excluded and bullied in return. Now we're prevented from knowing how many people were killed or injured. Those of us demanding answers to questions about harms caused, about persistent increases in all-cause mortality all over the injected world, receive no answers, just more attempts to have us go away and forget. The powers that be wish we were the sort of people who would take no for an answer, that we had the memories of goldfish. But wishing doesn't make it so. Early in the horror show of lockdown and jabs, I said, and more than once, that our children must be left alone. Leave the children alone, I said, almost as a mantra. But more troubling by far, even more troubling than the injecting of millions of youngsters with experimental products, has been the assault upon children's sense of self in the form of a whispering campaign to have them doubt the biological facts of their own existence. What kind of society are we here in Britain if we, the parents, stand by while children, anyone's children, are ushered onto pathways leading to mutilation and lives of sexless sterility? In the name of education, some teachers, without the knowledge, far less the consent of parents, whisper in the ears of little boys they thought they might really be little girls, that little girls might really be little boys. They show them the sort of stuff we used to put X certificates on at the movies, the sort of stuff you used to have to pay to see in specialist cinemas. By so doing, by sowing doubt about and glamorising the choices that previously existed only on the outer edges of the spectrum, they condemn generations to the lives of the castrati and the barren. Even now, the casualties are clamouring for help, for apology, for compensation, just for recognition. Those whose bodies have been hollowed out, they'll be lining up for years to come. 
The time is now to decide what kind of society we are. Have you heard the one about Schrodinger's cat? The notion of a cat shut in a box with a vial of poison that may or may not have killed it. The only way to find out is to open the box. Until that moment, according to the notion, the cat must be both alive and dead at the same time. I say we are living in Schrodinger's Britain. In Schrodinger's Britain, the Britain of before is both alive and dead. We must open the box and see. I say too that in the end all we have to fear is a handful of old men, old men with noodle arms and bloated guts. I say that handful could swiftly be chased out of sight by a few good men. Easily those desiccated ghouls would be chased out of our lives never to return. Trailing in their wake would be the corrupting filth they want children to read, the toxic garbage they want us to eat, the lesser lives they would have us lead. By some estimates, the song most listened to all over the West in the last couple of days is a protest ballad by a young American farmer, Oliver Anthony. Quote, it's a damn shame what the world's gotten to for people like me and people like you. <laughs> Wish I could just wake up and it not Friday. be true, but it is. I wish Neil is. would sing it. Lord knows they all just want to have control. Want to know what you think, want to know what you do. It's a protest song worth listening to over and over. Take heart, whoever and wherever you are. We're not just millions, we're billions. And we all know what we know and we all think what we think. All that's left is to act on it. The world in which they would have us live is only make-believe, the fantasy of bitter old men. Quote, young men are putting themselves six feet in the ground because all this damn country does is keep on kicking them down. And so it is and so it will be until we rise. Here's the thing, they call it Agenda 2030 and ESG and equity and inclusion, tolerance and diversity. I'm here to tell you it's anti-human, anti-life, anti-us. Never forget, we are the problem they want to solve. We are the carbon they want to reduce to zero. Yep. If you haven't already, wise up. Wise up and rise up, says Neil. And I love that he used the Oliver Anthony song that we played on Friday. Um... We know exactly what they're doing. And then Alex Newman put it perfectly. We are emitters of CO2. And so if they can get into control and power of CO2, then they can control the people. If they can tell you that it, it, the very breadth of you and your existence, yeah. and this is why we do see kids committing suicide. Oh, absolutely. They've, if yeah. I'm harming the planet, I should die. Exactly, and they're not having kids. It's a death cult. It, oh, it's absolutely a death cult. I'm going to leave you guys with one last. I thought we had Andrew Tate and um, <sighs> I'm just doing Andrew Tate. RK, RK, here. Robert Kennedy Jr. And we're going to skip him. Okay. Um, so I have been in my spare time, which I do not share with you. I tweet out Andrew Tate videos, and I have a compilation of Andrew Tate videos. And one day, when Michelle and I feel safe enough uh, to, and it's not from the conservative side. It's not from the. It's just like. Andrew Tate has like an army of people that go after people who expose him. And one we day, forgot to talk about the B Corp. We have to uh, do that because that was in the description. Okay. All right. So uh, there are now more than 700 B corporations operated in 93 countries. Nigel Farage is talking about this, the, the, um, the DEI, the environment, the ESG, the environmental, the, the environmental uh, standards and the, Diversity standards. This is why the company, you guys know that Nigel Farage was debanked. This is why that his he was debanked because of these standards that are um, 
wrongful standards, but there's 7,000 corporations operating in 93 countries and little is known about why these, what is driving these diversity targets throughout um, thousands of companies such as NatWest. First, and this is really, really important. You may never have heard of them, but there's an organization called B Corp. They were founded in the USA in 2006, and they work across the globe to sign up companies to provide them with certification of their social and environmental performance. Yep, companies need to hit a criteria amounting to 80 points. I'll come to how they get those points in a few minutes. According to their website, there are now more than 7,000 B corporations operating in 93 different countries. So who are they? Well, some firms you may have heard of. For example, one who's thoroughly approved of is Innocent Smoothies. Now remember, this was the lot that previously took advice from the trans charity Mermaids, which offered chest binders to children mm. without parental consent. Then, of course, we've got Body Shop. Yes, they've been certified by B Corp. And they have an online safe space for the LGBT community. Then there's Ben and Jerry's. Now, they say that illegal migrants crossing the English Channel to the UK are doing so because they have no other choice and the government are scapegoating them. Quite what that's got to do with ice cream, I've no idea, but there you are. And of course, need I say more, Guardian Media Group, who of course are committed to becoming carbon neutral by 2030. And wholly, unsurprisingly, the bank, Coots & Co. Yes, of course, they're a certified member of B Corp indeed. The former, I'm pleased to say, CEO, Peter Flavel, at the time of achieving his B Corp certification, said this. Success no longer means prioritizing shareholders at the expense of everything else. No, success is now about balancing people, profits, and the planet. Quick reminder, folks, when he says shareholders, he means you. He means us, because 39% of that bank, of course, is owed by us. They were bailed out using our taxes. Wow. Absolutely. So that's where all this is coming from when you see Cracker Barrel with a gay pride yep. rocking chair. But they don't talk about the B Corporations. The no, B Corp. they do not. They absolutely do not. Um, okay, so one day you're going to see Michelle and I do. We've already done an Andrew Tate expose with our dear uh, friends, the Gibson girls, the sisters, Tanya and Tara. Uh, we did one. And we will do another one because I have been amassing a giant repertoire of Andrew Tate videos. Jason Whitlock did a video exposing how this, how an absolute pile of poo Andrew Tate is. But I kind of like this small, short video compilation that goes back and forth between um, Jordan Peterson. Maybe he's a little bit emotional here. I don't know if he got too much estrogen or whatever, but it, in a good way, he talks about the sexual... Uh, relationship he has with his wife and how beautiful it is and the uh, beautiful nature of it, loving and kind. And there's a mashup with a clip of Andrew Tate. Now, if you have kids in the room, please don't play this. Uh, I didn't have time to um, bleep it out. There's plenty of curse words. But if you don't know who Andrew Tate is, your kids do. And uh, Candace Owens is coming to his defense. She's she she has done an interview with him and she did a breakdown trying to. Um, say that he's innocent of the charges of sex trafficking and a criminal cartel uh, gang, basically. 
in Romania. Regardless of those charges, by the way, and this is the thing I want to just put a, a squash on because I do have some viewers. They're like, I don't, he's, these are mainstream media lies against Andrew Tate. And I'm like, I don't care about the charges in Romania. Okay. Forget that. We have hours of clips yeah. of his own admission of the type of sycophant monster that he is. Yeah. That is enough for me to say that anybody that comes to his his side to defend him is demonically possessed or oppressed, including Candace Owen and, and anyone Tucker else. Carson. They are under some sort of trance. So Tucker was like in love with it. He literally, when he met, there's a clip of him meeting Andrew Tate to interview him. And he's getting like a schoolgirl in love. Andrew Tate's, the hours that we show, show him bragging about the fact that he is a master manipulator. And yet these idiots like Tucker Carlson and Candace Owens think that they are immune to a master manipulator. And I am telling you what, Andrew Tate is laughing behind their backs to no end. Yeah. So here's a clip. Um, Andrew Tate doesn't love. So he doesn't make love to women. <clears throat> he uses, and he admittedly uses sex as a tool. Yes. And he uses I think a tool. he's a homosexual. He says he doesn't care about sex. He doesn't even care about the woman. What he, sa what he says is, and I think he's actually worse than a, a homosexual. I'm convinced that he is some sort of incestual sexual with yeah. his brother. Um, because Michelle and I, we do a lot of life together, right? But these guys run a uh, OnlyFans pimping organization together and these brothers have like these crazy weird orgies together like they do all kinds of, go they'll be sitting in a room and they'll be talking to a girl and be like go get go get four or five girls for me and we're going to do something tonight like not something and his other brother's sitting there and the one brother's sitting there all sexual with the girl and he's sitting with the sexual and like they're they're literally they're incestual yeah like they're doing like sexual things with girls with each other it's just nasty they're so disgusting but this particular clip shows his violent nature because several there's two different cases against him by the way there's a romanian case and then there's girls in the uk he had like he supposedly had Do you want me to make 70, us big again no it's fine oh make us bigger you know there were supposedly about 70 girls that he had working for him now several of those girls had come come forward and they are they have a case against him. BBC had a girl come forward who's not really on a case against him, but wanted to collaborate the case and said corroborate corroborate the case. And she said one time she was sleeping with him or whatever, and he choked her to unconsciousness. Um, and she's like, I didn't know that was sexual assault at the time, but now friends have told me that's sexual assault because I woke up that he was kind of doing things to her body while she was unconscious. So he like basically he doesn't know if he killed her. Like, she's unconscious, and so he's literally a demon. Yeah. All right. I'm really attracted to my wife. Well, we've been uh, isolated from each other for a long time because we were both so sick. It's been two years, really. Girls come to me and go, yeah, I beat it up. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. No, I mean it. No, bitch. I mean it. I guarantee I changed the way you look at sex forever. The, the physical intimacy element of our marriage is extremely important. We're very careful about that. You're going to be fucking crying. I won't cry. I bet you cry, bitch. I bet you fucking cry. And value it extremely highly and pay a tremendous amount of attention. It's really important. You're saying I, I wouldn't cry. You're challenging me to a fight. You're saying I can't hurt you. You're out your fucking mind. That, the sexual element, the romantic element, those, and those two things... When they're properly handled, they're indistinguishable. I don't even have to fuck you. Forget the sex part. That's a distraction. 
My dick can stay in my pants. I'll just start beating the shit out of you. How about that? We walk in the bedroom. I start kicking your ass. No sex. No sex involved. But you cry then. And if you think that sex is okay without romance, you don't know anything about romance. Can I say this on YouTube? Yeah, I can say this on YouTube. I've legitimately done that. Girls run their mouth. I start beating the fuck out. I'm not even having sex. They love it more than ever. They like it more. The less sex you have, them, the better. Because sex is so much better with romance that it's not even the same thing. So, if another person on our show, you know what in the say, comment section, the comment usually this says, "Guy." The comment usually says, "But that was ten years ago." But he told Candace Owens he regrets nothing. I don't care. That's a psychopath. That's a literal psychopath. You don't get to go from that statement to being accepted by society without wholly repenting and recanting and saying, and I was a loser. I was an idiot. I was the scum of the earth. I have repented. Like you don't get to be accepted by people unless you have done a complete 180 and now you are missionizing people for Jesus Christ. In jail, he admits to beating women. He admits to beating women. And he thinks that it is okay because in somehow in his mind, they asked for it. It is not legal to beat women who asked to be beaten, by the way. Okay. If we have another resistance chicks viewer that defends this guy, I am going to lose my ever-loving mind. I had one. I'll call him out. Mark, you know your name. You said it on a comment earlier when Leah shared the Jason Whitlock thing. Come on, man. Do you want more? Does Mark need to be convinced more? I can't with you people. Now, most of the Resistance Chicks viewers are very intelligent. And they are like, hey, yes, I, you, you get it. And thank you, Mango says, excellent show, brilliant, well-chosen, on-point clips, well-organized and presented. Your audience should be vastly larger. Our <laughs> audience is on multiple platforms. But yes, I totally agree that our audience should be vastly larger. Um, so, so, but here's the, here's the thing. And I'm going to be straight up honest with you guys. We are waiting on God's timing to really lay the hammer down on this guy. And at some point, we, we did our, our shows with the Gibson girls, which should be enough, by the way. But at some point, we're going to come out really, really hard on this and look out. Is that it for That's the show? It. That's it. On that happy note, who do you want to advertise for today? Uh, Vicky Natale. Vicky Natale. I, w I literally, well, you can't see it because I use this, this shiny eyeshadow, okay? The crow's feet, gone, thanks to the Flawless Face Serum. So I want, you, I want you guys to go to OrganicBodyEssentials.com, OrganicBodyEssentials.com, and here's the deal. Um, let me move this over here, or just shrink that. Um, the CBD tincture, to me. Out of all of her products, and I love her products. I love the face masks. I love the And scrubs. they all go so far. So, like, this extreme face cream day and night, like, this is what we use. So, if you guys want to know what do we use, this is what we use. We use this stuff, this extreme cream. It but smells it's not awesome. just it's for all, women. Wait, it's not it's just for, for women. It's for men and women. Here's the thing. These are all organic, all natural. Every product she makes is edible. It's all edible. They have the you highest don't eat it. times, it's uh, the eat. highest grade of essential oils. You're not putting on. Look at the Chemicals. back. Look at the back. You can of read your the ingredients. Cream. Look at the back of your face cream. It's gonna say your number one ingredient is usually alcohol. All of these things are things Petroleum. that you know what they are. Okay. It's Willow so, bar, grapefruit seed, fruit ferment, filtrate. So your body's glycerin, like, coconut oil, hemp seed, avocado, things. beeswax. 
I mean, apricot, jojoba, um, guys. And so when Vicky, she prays over her products and she, and God gives her like, okay, here's an issue and here's an answer. She now has the CBD tincture and in chews for your dogs. Yeah. And we used to use CBD for our dogs and it helped immensely. I well, can I tell you. I just used her CBD oil on an, our, pig. our pig. You guys know Star, you named Star. Star had some issues going on. Like so I gave her CBD. I gave her Vicky Natalia CBD and her therapeutic gel. Yeah. I rubbed on her, her for back, like four her days. Leg for three or four days. And she is mostly. Now we back. did add some turmeric. And I added some turmeric pills. We gave her some yeah. turmeric. So I cannot speak highly enough about all of you the products have at, these at organicbodyessentials.com. Sure. So use promo code RC. Now, somebody had asked me the other day if you're going to buy the sets, go ahead and use the promo code. You just won't get our discount. Um, cause the sets are already discounted to the lowest possible discount, but yeah. go ahead and use our promo code so that she knows that we sent you there. Um, yeah. but literally I think it's a 5% discount. If you use promo code RC on all of the products that aren't a set or already discounted. Um, and not only will you be supporting resistance chicks and then organic body essentials, but every purchase that is made with promo code RC also benefits his glory ministries, yeah. which I think is phenomenal. So, um, you know, all of your Christmas shopping should be able to be done through all of the stuff that we do. And I'm going to tell you something. One of the things that we give away for gifts for birthdays is silver. We don't give away gold. That's too expensive. Um, but we give, we do give away silver. So this year, I want you guys to be considering where you're putting your dollars as we head into holiday seasons and things like that to be supporting my pillow, supporting the Bridie on store, supporting Vicky Natale. Um, and then, oh, and when you're doing all of that, you're supporting resistance chicks. You can switch over, um, your IRAs and your 401ks and your retirements to actual tangible things with ITM trading. Um, all of that, like literally there's no reason. And, and you can support other Patriot businesses through the other shows that you watch. I just want to encourage us all myself included to be, supporting Patriot businesses this year and pull out of the regular economy. So, um, we love you guys. God loves you. God bless. Remember, it's not just a conspiracy theory. If it's actually the truth now, Patriot gallery has done some phenomenal, um, blogs this week. And I heard her up in the middle of the night, actually, uh, doing sovereignty, just weights and balances are from God. She uploaded, it looks like she uploaded the edited version on rumble. So that's available to watch. Everybody loves Patriot galleries, uh, shows. Then it looks like she did another one called Ohio is a representative man inspired by the Holy spirit of God Republic. I love that. That's also up. Um, and then this past week we did our Friday roundup. Leah did a grape harvest video. That was super fun. Uh, we have uploaded the Dr. Sherry Tenpenny video interview that she did with uh, Tom Renz. I want you guys to go and watch that. All of this is on our Rumble channel. Let me do a screen share so you guys can see what I'm showing you here. Uh, this is the, the back door behind the scenes here. Um, we hatched out baby chicks. And then number one, the video, if I were to ask you guys to watch and share one video that we did this week. From Orphan to Adopted, From Russia with Love, a powerful testimony of God's saving grace on a little girl from Russia. We interviewed Brianna France. And her testimony is, it will probably bring you to tears. And then at the end, we prayed. 
And it's possible that that prayer, some of those prophetic prayers may have been for you guys and you didn't see it and you need to go in and tune in and watch that. So watch that video and share it. And if you feel led to donate to her ministry as she's very young, she just turned 20 years old, her um, donation is in the description. And I want to really encourage the Resistance Chicks family to support Brianna. Um, and then last but not least, as an announcement for this coming week, tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where are they going to be, Leah? We are going to be right here. With no, where are they going to be? They're going to be right here. They're going to be right here. With Matt and Joy Thayer. With Matt and Joy Thayer. They have a new thing coming out that's absolutely mind-blowing, and we're going to be interviewing them about that. Tell them. They're re-premiering the Trump I Know, and um, it's going to be a huge event in the same place with where General the- General Flynn and Laura Trump and Flyover Conservatives. Where the same place that the uh, election forum- For was, 2,000 mules. Was held. Um, same kind of venue there, and which is It's really a four-hour deal. Uh, it's 20 bucks, and we're going to have them on to talk about that. So join us tomorrow. 8 p.m. Uh, it's going to be awesome. I think we have somebody else coming up this week, don't we? Do we have anybody else scheduled? Maybe not. Know. Or you'll just be here. You're not going to want to miss the Revelation Red Hill. Red oh, Hill shoot. I, I forgot. So, so since we will be doing Joy and Matt live tomorrow night at 8, you can either join us live or do Kingdom Roundtable. You'll have to watch Kingdom Roundtable on... Um, I, here's what I'll do. Here's what I will do. I will premiere the Kingdom Roundtable after... Okay. Afterwards. Good. So as soon as it's done, so I'm assuming we will be interviewing Joy and Matt, um, and I'll just start the stream a little bit early. So look for the Kingdom Roundtable at 10 o'clock. I think that's a good time to do it. So we'll start. Are they we'll, coming on 8? They're coming on at 8, which is the same so time as the Kingdom, Kingdom Roundtable. Roundtable at 9. Well, we don't know how long it'll go with Joy, and then I have to actually get the stream set okay. up. So I could say 9.30. Let's say 9.30 maybe if Leah wants it to be a little bit earlier. So, so tomorrow night you can either start watching Kingdom Roundtable on the Kingdom Roundtable or wait until 9.30 and we'll start streaming it then. So, All right. We love you. God loves you. God bless. I think I said that, but it's worth saying again. And we will see you next time right here from ResistanceChicks.com. Take care, guys. Let's go.